This conversation was recorded on January 25th, 2020, when the United States were still safe from the coronavirus. But the joke is on you. As you listen to this on your earbuds, I am whispering in your ear. I am in your pocket. <laughs> cough, cough. It's a sled. He's dead. The box contains his wife's head. Vader's his father. They're allergic to water. She's his sister and her daughter. You watched it wrong. Hey, everybody, this is Wade. This is Siggy, and you're listening to You Watched It Wrong, the podcast where we pick a movie like Joker, and we talk about it until it's just not funny anymore. Or maybe everything's funny now. I can't tell. You might wonder why we're talking about a movie that came out several months ago that everyone's already seen. It's made over a billion dollars. Well, because it's worth talking about. (laughs) The last two episodes we just put out were Captain Marvel and (laughs) Avengers Endgame, so I don't know. If you're not used to that by now, I don't know what to tell you. That's right. Well, you know. So, uh, what makes Joker so uh, potent to have a discussion about Sir Siggy? I don't know. I didn't I, say it was. <laughs> <laughs> but we watched it, and we, we both agreed we wanted to talk about it. So let's do that. Yeah. Okay. I saw it. Um, I saw it back when it. Well, I came, saw it a few, probably about a month after it came out. I, I, I lagged. I. I dragged my feet on seeing it because I was excited to see it and then I heard some of the things the director was saying and then I wasn't excited to see it anymore and I just kind of let it go and then I finally said I probably should see it and that's when I did but it's been a long time since I saw it I only saw it the one time you I have also only seen it once Uh, more recently it was a week ago or maybe two weeks ago I can't remember anyway as part of my uh, binge of trying to catch up for the Oscars, so we can record our Oscars episode, which we're going to record and put out before we put out this episode. So you've probably heard the Oscars episode before you hear this, even though we haven't recorded it yet. Yeah. So none of our podcast magic. So none of our discussion will include any awards it might have won or didn't win. Let's discuss Todd Phillips. Todd Todd Phillips's movie, the uh, not no not the Joker. Joker. We're going to discuss it on its own merits. On its own merits. Speaking of its own merits, I wish, I do think, and actually I do wish, that I had seen this movie in a vacuum. That I had seen this movie without uh, anything else uh, surrounding it, about it, said about it, hyped about it, advertised, or shared with the rest of the world. <laughs> because if I had, I probably would have a slightly but cleaner opinion of it. Okay, well, um, maybe we can talk about what you see in the film that gave you uh, the reaction you did and what outside the film you think uh, colored that perception. Absolutely, I did. And that is the world it was released into, so I think those are all fair fair game for discussion. Um, Yeah, I... uh, Similarly, we're in the how did you watch it segment here. Um, I, I watched it streaming at home. I was trepidatious, but um, definitely willing to I was ready to to like this movie. And as we went through um, 
if you went through the movie, as I went through the movie watching it, linearly <laughs> as I tend to watch. Let movies. me say, let me just say, I'm very glad you were able to watch it while you went through it. That uh, if any, if everyone could have that experience when watching a movie, I think it's been a, it's a successful experience. Method. Um, so, so I'm just going to jump into this. So please movie opens. I've settled down. I'm like, okay, what am I in for? I could, I could be putting myself in a bad mood, but I was ready to be in a bad mood that night. I was ready to, (laughs) to wallow in, uh, misery for, uh, for cinematic reasons. And sometimes I really enjoy that, um, artistically. Mm -hmm. So act one movie opens. We see Joaquin Phoenix, he's putting on makeup, he's putting on his clown makeup. He's listening to the news, not listening to like Pagliacci or something. He's got the news on. They're talking about a garbage strike. I don't remember if they cover any other stories in this part of the broadcast, something or other, but the garbage strike is the main feature. And he's uh, sticking his fingers in his face, trying to make himself smile. Um... And it's not really clear, like, is he doing that in reaction to the news? But then he sheds a tear. Messes up his makeup, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems... It seems like he's shedding a tear because just, like, he's listening to the news while he's putting on his comic makeup. And it's like, what a state the world is in that's going to make him shed a tear. And that's the, that's the thing. Is that what's happening for you in that scene? Uh, I kind of recall, I kind of just took that noise to be for us and i just figured he was just generally sad i yeah i i I took it to mean that the contrast between his what his face looked like and how he felt was what made him cry and that yeah that the radio was just adding to more hey oh by the way else everything else sucks too (laughs) okay all right but if anything, maybe he was sad that they went with their old 70s Warner Brothers logo right before. I personally was happy about that, but maybe he wasn't. So that was the vintage 1981. Oh, see, yeah, vintage 81 uh, Warner I'm Brothers assuming. logo. I, I always love seeing that one. I don't know why. Yeah. I always do. No, no, Makes me feel young again. <laughs> now, then we see him as a working clown. He's out on mm-hmm. the streets, on the streets of Gotham. We... Surmise. Surmise. As a sign twirler before sign twirlers were as yeah. much of a thing, right? Were there sign twirlers in 1980s uh, uh, New York? I don't know. He's more of a sidewalk sign twirler. I mean, he's, sidewalk is on the side of a road, but he's less of a roadside twirler. He seems to be trying to engage the, the, the street traffic, the sidewalk traffic right. more than the street traffic, right? Right. Yeah. So there's a distinction between what you'd see now, what you'd see then. Uh, and there's a, he's trying to entertain the nice people as they walk by, trying to get them in the store. Store's closing, sign that maybe these things aren't so good in this neighborhood. Um, if you can't even keep a record store open in 1981. Oh my gosh. And people as they walk by are being rude to him, bumping into him. And this movie immediately has my sympathy. Because... As a occasional working clown at store openings, I've never done a store closing. I've done a few store openings <laughs> as Shuey the Clown. They were shoe stores. That's very true. And I wasn't alone at one of those gigs. That's one of right. those I was left Shuey accompanied by right Shuey 
I was right chewy with a hole in it. Right, Chewy, totally let's not, exposed. Let's not discuss what happened in the store in the stock room, okay? <laughs> I was glory, Chewy. <laughs> this is a family show. And being being a clown and trying to be nice and trying just trying to do your job and hoping that you can make people smile or laugh and then they just treat you like shit. It's definitely something I have experience with, right? Right. Now, and, but but would you, sorry to interrupt, but in my limited experience with you, what I learned, and I believe, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, what you taught me was that how people treated you was all about age and proximity. It's exactly right. So when you're in, when you're close up to people, which usually when you're in the store or right in front of the store, the adults will all be act happy to see you, give you big smiles like, hey, a clown. And the little kids will be little assholes. Punch you in the butt. Step on your feet. They yeah. love to step on your big shoes. They did uh, movie missed that detail. I think Joaquin didn't do his research fully <laughs> or else he would know about the shoe stopping. <laughs> That's like number one. That's number they one. Want to, they want to stomp on your big shoes and punching you in the butt because uh, you've got big baggy pants. That's a big one, too. Right. And you're and usually so the, called dumb. Dumb's big for clown, right? Sure. Um, uh, it, you know, this is before. Oh, yeah. It hadn't come out in 1981, so they wouldn't get that. Um, uh, but I got a lot of it, which had to be like, the clown's name was Pennywise. You know, I, to, <laughs> I was on the clock, so I couldn't let loose with that. It wasn't my job to correct them on their kingology. <laughs> Um, African-Americans would love to call you Shui, uh, Homie the Clown. Of course, that wouldn't be – in Living right. Color hadn't come out in 1981 either. can't blame so him we, for that. wouldn't have that. can't blame point. him for that. But Homie the Clown was uh, – you know, I guess I felt flattered that they would call me Homie the Clown when I clearly right. wasn't an African-American, even under the white makeup. And you could say – I but, think. Oh, thank you. I do play that. Oh, I do play that. I do you play know, that. Thank you. I, I wasn't hitting people yeah. on top of the head with a stuffed sock. <laughs> I, and, and well, could you? you say, I did play that. Um, so, <laughs> but they would call me home in the con and act very happy to see you doing roadside work out in the parking lot or on the roadside. It all reverses as they drive by in their cars. The kids are all like, Something to relieve my boredom. And like, well, are excited to see anything of interest on the side of the road. They're happy to see you, right. And then the adults are like, I get to be evil because I don't have to be face to face with this guy. Like all the yeah. bad things that happen, uh, all the behaviors that are uh, suddenly unleashed when you're on social media and you're like a, an anonymous face. Like similar thing happens when you're driving by a clown. <laughs> That was and the original like, social media. You know, so lots of getting flipped the bird, uh, lots of things being just yelled at you, even like, you know, just fuck you clown or mm -hmm. um, nasty things. A few death threats. Uh, yeah. And the most creepy, um, uh, a trucker giving me a very Pennywise-like beckon beckoning me to, to come over to him. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. <laughs> quite an evil rictus on his face. That's the one, that's the one that haunts me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
But by that rationale, Joker is doing the opposite of that. No, those kids, kids are being. Oh, I guess they were kids. Yeah, in proximity. No, it got that. It got that right. It didn't show the adults being nicer, but you know that's okay. It's all right. Yeah, this wasn't a movie about as much about working clowns as it was about other things. That's okay. This is the part where the movie where I immediately started getting uncomfortable on the racial aspect of it, where it was like white guy getting beat up by non-white guys. So, yeah, and right. now our so sympathies are of, supposed to be with this guy. And I started immediately starting to get uncomfortable. Bunch of young toughs, um, little punks, grab a sign and run away. And I'm like, oh, they shouldn't do that to that poor clown. <laughs> it's, it's true. They shouldn't. He just wants to make people smile and sell records. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He just wants to help this record store yeah. guy cover his moving costs. <laughs> and maybe inside a few giggles along the way. And here are these kids coming, and they just steal a sign and run away for a hoot. I'm like, man, they don't even want that sign. <laughs> what are they going to do with that sign? This was and before so everyone totally... started hanging signs on the walls. And yes, they're all, <laughs> it's all a bunch of black kids. I'm like, okay, gang of... All black kids stealing, stealing the sign. All right. I mean, it happens. It happened in 1981. It would, could happen today. It's not like there aren't tons of ethnically diverse street gangs out there. I mean, they don't seem as much like an organized gang, but still like, no. okay, right. Um, They're, uh, you know, black and Latino kids who are trying to have a couple of laughs for themselves and their laughs devolve into beating up a street clown. There's, I know. I mean, which again, again, the discomfort I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for a reason to be like, Oh no. Like I'm telling myself, okay, just they haven't given you a reason to be worried here yet. But contextually I am starting to like glance around. <laughs> like, what am I in for? It's early yet. It's early yet. It's early yet, yet. It's early yet you know, in the movie. You're right. This could all get balanced out. We don't know yet at we this don't point. Know. At this point. Uh, more surprising is just like Arthur's dedication to chasing these <laughs> kids down and getting that sign back. Yeah. Like at some point I would just like go into the store and say, can I have another sign? Right. Like, yeah. Uh, and then the kids like are really like hoofing it away from this clown. Like. We got to get away from the clown. You know, they got him eight right. to one. Like at some point they would just throw down the sign or like stop and say, fuck you, man. And start pushing him around right. earlier. It seemed like, I don't know. Well, maybe they're like trying to get to a lawn. more discreet location. Maybe. But at the same time, we also realize, we don't realize until later how much that sign is valuable to him because it comes out of his pay. We don't, but we don't know that. We're like, it's a sign. Who gives a crap? Come on. Now you're just like, I've had something taken from me. Maybe they were like, time to execute Am Alley Ambush. <laughs> Plan 2A. Um, Get clown mad about sign. <laughs> but yeah, they, uh, they, they, uh, they kick them. They kick them up pretty good. I'm like, oh, man. That poor clown. Being a working clown is hard. Nobody appreciates clowns as much as they should. Get a bad rap. He doesn't even know about Pennywise yet. Like, right. that's not even going to be a thing yet. You know, John Wayne Gacy, people make big John Wayne Gacy jokes, but he's seen yeah. as an aberration. Like, he doesn't 
he hasn't stained clowns as, as a, an entire class of people yet. Right. Oh man, it's only things are only going to get worse for this guy. So I'm I'm really you know, my heartstrings are tugged at this point. I'm ready to be on this movie's side. Ethical casting of the street right. notwithstanding. Right. Because I mean. Right. All right. Okay. He goes to see the social worker. I might be getting the nope. order of these things. Oh, no, he goes. No, he, uh, goes right, he goes. He sees the show right after it. Goes sees yeah. the social worker. I'm looking at it right now. He um, shows his joke diary. Mm-hmm. She's flipping through it. It's got nude clippings, clippings of uh, naked ladies inside. I think with their heads not removed from the pictures, right? I can't. I don't remember. I want to get back to that detail later. Okay. I'm just going to note it now here. Um, and we get the line that gets uh, repeated. I just hope my death makes more sense than my life. I right. think we and we'll return to that line later, too. Right. Okay? With with sense spelled as the money. Actually, yeah. the thing I like is that I think he starts to write it normal, but then crosses it out and writes the money sense. Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah. It looks it looks like he's starting to write one and then he crosses it out and writes C E N T S. His his handwriting is so like has such a childlike scrawl it, it's hard to tell like what's intentional and what's a pun and what's just a misspelling but uh, okay, mm-hmm. thank you for pointing that out. Um we find out that he's asked for his dosage to be increased. Mhm. Again, okay, another stone on the right. sympathy side of this character. Like, exactly. oh, he's trying. He knows he has a problem. He's trying to deal with it, mm-hmm. you know, and the system's not letting him because right. they're not going to up his dosage. Not going to specify what his condition is. I think that's the smart choice. We could talk right. more about that right. later if you want. Other got, th- he might have seven conditions, right? right? One for each medication. You don't know what the medications are. Um, but we soon find out what one of those conditions is because he takes a bus ride. Right. But before the bus ride, again, Wade's uh, discomfort dar goes off again. When I think, yes, a lot of, uh, you know, when, again, the person who's representing the system across from him is played by a woman of African-American descent. And you're like, at this point, okay, that's which, a, that's a sympathetic relationship. At this point, though, at some, she's trying to help him to a degree. But yes, yeah, you know, she she is the most sympathetic person there, despite the fact that she just wants to stop talking to him. <laughs> well, he hands over his notebook and is full of pictures of naked ladies with their heads cut off in his joke book. <laughs> that's true. So you know, I mean, right, might make you a little uncomfortable. Okay, okay. takes the bus ride. Again, Again. bus is full of people of color. Tries to make a kid laugh. The clown comes out in him. It's like, I want to make this kid laugh. Mm -hmm. Kids laughs. And then we have what doesn't seem like a very 1981 moment. Seems like a very 2000s moment to me. Very much so. Where the mom turns around and says, what are you doing bothering my kid? Right. I I feel like I don't see that happen in 1981 no not really you definitely do today definitely how dare today. you interact with my child exactly 
Exactly. How dare you introduce an influence into my child's life that I didn't permit? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's a, I completely agree. It's a great analysis. And again, my sympathies are with him. We've all been there. I'm just trying to do yeah. the one thing I want to do, but like also just having a little connection with this kid, which is nice and fun and light, and then being vilified for it. Yeah. Yeah. Deri yeah. Derision. So again? Yeah. Again, like, well, those people around him are black, huh? Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> Except when he goes to work. Right. All those people are white. All the clowns. Yeah. Yeah. Why is everyone at work white and everyone at home is black? And, and and I do you know part of me in my mind I'm going okay you know you know people are employed by the city this is not uncommon it's just like oh you know but it's still a choice it's still a choice to have every person that he's up against that is against him to be of a different race you know it's like other than white and you're like oh, okay well they're not all against him I'm oh that's I, true that's true I don't think the social worker is portrayed as no. being against him I I'm going to disagree with you on that okay. one. Um, also, uh, Sophie, his neighbor, right. <laughs> um, who he encounters in the elevator and she's tired of her kids. So she looks at Arthur and does the old, I'd like to blow my brains out gag. Right. <laughs> We've all done that. Kids, ain't you know, they the worst? To break the ice. <laughs> yeah. Arthur, just having been reprimanded for trying to entertain one child, isn't going to try to entertain this one. Right. Not that that's, this tension is depicted on screen in any way whatsoever. Right, right. Yeah. It's just, it's <laughs> only in our minds. It's not in we know the what characters, came, yeah. the filmmakers' minds in any way that I can tell. Yeah. It's not like a thing that carries over from one scene to the right. next. These all could have been intended to be in different. Lot, yeah. Yes, that's very true. Um. And then Arthur turns around and says, oh, Sophie. And then he does the, the blow my brains uh, out gag back to you. All of that, I think, happens in the real world. I, I, I completely agree. That's okay. the thing that immediately, oh, draws him. Yeah. yeah. And then he goes to, uh, we see his mom. And they're watching the uh, Jerry Langford show. I'm sorry. The Murray Franklin show. <laughs> Murray Franklin show. And it's uh, <laughs> and it's um, the Rupert Pupkin show, and it's <laughs> and it's Robert De Niro, who I didn't know I didn't know yeah. was in this movie. He um, it, uh, also, it, you know, I think he was actually billed as Big Red Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> I liked the casting choice. I completely disagree with you on that. We get on that okay. later. I hated right. the casting choice. And I, and, I, and I did not like his performance. I did not like his performance either. I thought it was awful. <laughs> it was terrible. I thought completely, the... but Not necessarily his fault. I think he was miscast. I think he was cast for being Robert De Niro because he was in King of Comedy and Taxi Driver. I don't think he was cast because he would make a good late night talk show host that anybody would want to tune in to see. <laughs> I think I think Robert De Niro could pull that off. I have uh, probably. I don't, I don't have any reason to think he couldn't pull that off if the part were written and directed correctly. That's correct. I I, I concede. Yeah, you're exactly right. Okay, so I liked the casting choice. I think 
the comparisons to King of Comedy were going to be inevitable in this movie anyway, given the, the plot structure. Now, they could have chosen not to have him aspire to be on a, on a late night yeah. talk show. But, the lone one hosted by Rupert Bumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> but, if, but if you're going to do like the dreaming to be a stand-up angle, in 1981, getting on Carson was how you yeah. made the big time as a – that's how you made it as a comedian in 1981. So like if you're doing the, well, he aspires to be a stand-up thing, then that's kind of a logical place to go. And then making this like a – an echo or a response or a something, an homage to King of Comedy. Mm-hmm. Conceptually, to me, isn't a terrible idea. No, no. Especially like this is a Joker movie. King of Comedy poster has Robert De Niro <laughs> on the Joker card, right? <laughs> like, I could see like yeah. that. You know, no, it's I, a, I completely it's agree. Almost a, it's an almost 40-year-old movie at this point. I he, think it's fair game. You're right. Any comparisons drawn to it is fair game. I do feel like, though, this one was just shy of having the poster on screen and, like, Joaquin can just run through it like at a football game. <laughs> <laughs> and burst out with confetti, you know? That should have been the opening shot of this movie. <laughs> Or drive a taxi through it, you know? <laughs> through like, you know, drive a taxi through it with smoke billowing out, and Sybil Shepherd steps out, and Albert Are Brooks you goes. To me? <laughs> <laughs> and then and then a thirteen a picture of thirteen year old Todd Phillips is just like right there zooming in on it, you know. <sighs> can can I say real briefly, I'm 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 shitting on this terribly. But I have to say, I did like the movie more than I thought I would. I actually did. Joker? Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) I said more than I thought I did. But I I will get to that later. I have a very complicated relationship with this movie. You just don't want the movie to feel bad at this point if it's listening? (laughs) Is this why you're saying it now? (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm just trying to be nice. Again, love De Niro. Yeah, I, not not his strongest, not a performance that worked for me. I should put that way. I shouldn't say he's terrible. I should say this did not work for me. Okay. He broke my heart in The Irishman, despite the the de aging thing. Uh, but he, he, you know, that's that's. Uh, we will have talked about that in our Oscars episode. Right. So we don't need to get into that now. Go ahead. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> having said so, I'm surprised Hoffa wasn't in this too. <laughs> okay, the, they exhume Chris Christopherson, bring him back in. I don't, I don't know. What uh, other Scorsese movie can I think of? I think your, I think your vision though, for the Joker driving <laughs> a taxi through the King Comedy poster <laughs> makes me wish you had directed this movie. Uh, but it, that only makes sense if we already have seen the Todd Phillips one. So yeah. I want you to already do a remake of Joker. <laughs> I'll do a shot-for-shot shot remake that is completely not the same shot. <laughs> <laughs> but the, no, I will do an impressionistic shot-for-shot shot one. I will give a, do a shot-for-shot shot remake of Joker that is what the, the filmmakers are thinking when they're making this shot. There we go. Get like De Niro and Phoenix to switch roles, maybe. <laughs> Ooh, that would be good. We'll do the de aging thing. 
that they did an Irishman sure. for Joker. Uh, Why not? You could tell under all that makeup. Exactly. Who's going to care? Just put him in clown face the entire time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's watching. He's, is he in bed with his mom when they're watching the show? Um, I think he's... I think he's next to her bed or, or sitting on the edge of it. I don't remember. Okay. I mean, later he helps give her a bath. Um, Which, weirdly, I just watched him give his mother constant baths in You You Were Never Really Here, which is a great movie. But this was also weirdly very similar to that in terms of the, the mother relationship. It was almost exactly the same. Well, speaking of similarities, so he has this... Uh, hallucination that he's this uh, in the studio audience mm-hmm. at the uh, Murray Franklin is it Murray Franklin yeah the Murray Franklin show and has this whole thing where he's called down and he's embraced and he's he's loved he's loved by this figure that he that he admires on TV and uh, and he hallucinates this a surrogate father figure just like jojo rabbit which was the movie i saw in closest proximity to to joker one of many similarities between the two movies i never thought about that carson is hitler (laughs) or hitler is carson (laughs) but i will run down that list of similarities in our oscars episode oh okay gotcha i will get them here okay all right we covered the casting choice he goes back to work Arthur, mm-hmm. the, the white clown company. <laughs> <laughs> the Caucasian clown company. The clown Cajuns. <laughs> Occasionally Caucasian. And here's, here's where the movie starts to lose me. Here's where, okay, okay. Bus ride thing got me, hmm, is this movie about, <laughs> is this movie about how it sucks to have to live among black people. <laughs> like, that's a sign of that your life has gone bad if you're a white person that has to live in the right. black neighborhood. Yeah. Okay, I was already starting to get that vibe at this point in the movie. Yeah. I was to work me too. with his white coworkers. Me, I, was, I totally had that vibe, but I was saying for my own... For, if I'm going to try to judge this movie on any other terms, I got to like go, okay, that's not the intent... You know, what do I want them to do? Not hire people? Do I want them to hire all white actors? No. Let's just put that aside for a second and I'll look at the other aspects of the movie. But it kept coming back because I, it seems like that's part of the, the design, sadly. It is, it's like, it's clearly like, oh, he and his mom are living in squalor. Mm-hmm. They, they want to get out of this place. I.e. next to black people. Hey, you know. <laughs> it's like, mm. But somehow, like, Sophie doesn't seem to mind living there. Her, she's annoyed that her kid talks, but she dresses nice. <laughs> Unlike Arthur and her mom, she does her hair nice. You know? Yeah. She seems put together. She seems okay. Like, she doesn't mind, like, uh, I'm trudging home to this home I hate. Like, it's like, no, uh, I'm finally getting home, but my kid won't stop. And I mean, huh? Well, she knows she's white got people yeah. problems. First world <laughs> problems. You know, right? That's yeah. What I said. Um, it's it's like, you know, it's Sophie belongs here, but we don't. Right. Is the the vibe I got from right? All of yeah, the, yeah. 
all of those choices, like in how the characters are presented in the same environment. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I was getting that vibe, but I was yeah. like, and do you maybe think, you know? Do you think that's a conscious vibe? Do you think that's a conscious choice, or do you think it was just know. something? I mean, do you think that when it doesn't seem to, the movie doesn't seem to comment on it? No, any, no, but anyway. like. Like I, I, I find it hard to believe that Joaquin Phoenix and Todd Phillips was sat down and talking about this movie and saying, okay, this really is terrible that he's living among non-white people. But at the same time, it's there, you know? I mean, if they wanted to say, if you live in the bad part of, well, they're in Gotham. They could make the yeah. neighborhoods ever they want, but Gotham is obviously modeled on New York city in this yeah. movie. Um, in most movies or in most depictions, except think, for going, why doesn't he just go to metropolis? It's right there. <laughs> it's right across the river. It's right across the river. It's the so every, everything's so much brighter and like, like gleamier over there. Everything gleams. Well, because, I mean, cause Superman, he can't fly over water. We all know that. <laughs> we right? all know that. Superman does the trash pickup and you know he can't fly over water so what are you gonna do like man I'm Superman I got my hands full of Metropolis okay and the solar system and the galaxy and, yeah, the and they blew up I the can't sen- make they it blew over up, to Gotham and they blew up the Senate and they're gonna blame me Ooh. sorry that made me so angry but that's okay but yeah go ahead again Super- this Different director. Different This movie obviously is set apart from every other thing because you know it's it's you can easily say that this Joker is not a Joker that grows up, that grows up that devolves into Heath Ledger's Joker and by any means no because because you know he's not a planner. They're different one, animals. Completely different right. animals. Yeah. This is completely standalone. So yeah, exactly. Which I'm completely in favor for. I'm completely in favor of of any sort of. Uh, Let's do a different take on it and find out what's going on. I, what's, this is it was a good, nice try. I say, but go ahead. It does. Um, it does change the way I experience this movie, and that it didn't connect to. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an origin story for any like obvious version of Joker I was already familiar with. Right. And so it wasn't like. Oh, this explains that thing I already know, right. and that's why it's here. It was right. like, oh, this is a completely new character. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a Joker named Arthur Fleck before. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you think that that's how it's how it's received by on the on the whole by the majority? Which I, I, I'm I, not. I don't I know. Do. I'm not. I'm not the majority. I know that much. How other people are receiving it. To and I, I, I do. I actually do. But like, I mean, but it is interesting. I, I, well, never mind. It's hard to, hard to say. Impossible to say. Never mind. I should never brought it up. Forgive me. I will go. I'll, I'll show myself out into traffic. Good go point. <laughs> Let's not bring it up. <laughs> Good point. I'll never speak of it again. <laughs> okay. He's at White Clown College. The asshole in the locker next to him. Right. And we know he's an asshole because he makes the kind of jokes that Todd Phillips says you're not allowed to make anymore, and that's why you have to make the Joker. <laughs> yeah. A very confusing cognitive space I'm in. I, I'm aware. Very much so. 
I'm aware Todd Phillips has said he had to make the Joker because he couldn't make comedies because you can't make certain kind of jokes anymore. Here's a character who, in the world of this movie, is depicted as an asshole because he makes the kind of jokes Todd Phillips wants to make. <laughs> it's... it's, it's uh... So what is... The, what are Todd feel? Todd Phillips, what are his feelings about himself? Yeah. Does he identifying with the character? Does he not know the character is an asshole? Or is Did he, he just... not mean to depict him that way? Right. I don't know what's going on. Is anyway. he saying, I'm going to make this guy an, an asshole, but I'm, I'm going to be able to sneak in the things I can't do in other movies through him? I don't know. Similarly, so maybe this, this kind of confusion results in this, or is, is embodied in this next act where asshole guy in an act of apparent charity gives for free no strings attached to someone he doesn't seem to actually like here have my pistol have my unregistered handgun and lunch bag full of loose bullets (laughs) for no good reason because I heard some black kids jumped you and I hate black people and I want you to shoot them I are right. uh, my wife's on my ass to have one f- less gun around the house or <laughs> well, I... we, we didn't see the scenes where he went to every other clown and said hey take a gun <laughs> take a gun and like like the other people got like the the more elaborate got the got the the 357 and got the this and that and this is the one that's left over and you just you know here you go kid no one wants this one. <laughs> like, what do we think? What are we to think his motivation is for giving Arthur the gun? At the time, it's almost you're like, oh, jerk, uh, jerk has sympathy. But then later, we almost think it was like premeditated to get him fired. Why? I, I don't. Yeah, it's it's very. Because you look at him, he's obviously malnourished. He's been beat up. He's troubled, and uh, I mean, oh. I mean, part part of me is like thinking, this was the mentality of the era: was, hey, you get roughed up, defend to protect yourself, and to not really Charles even Brasson, yeah. Bernie Getz, Death Wish, just anything like like just hey, protect yourself without really realizing you're saying I'm giving you the means to murder several people, you know. <laughs> It's just protection. Like I always just kind of saw it as that word and not the implications of all that comes with being given a gun, you know? So it could be like, it's not like, Arthur, I like you. I don't want to see you hurt. Here's the means to protect yourself. It's more like, I know how the world is. You don't care. Yeah, exactly. You know, this cost me 25 bucks. You just yeah. got to wipe them out or, you know, whatever. This guy does not have the self-reflexiveness to go, this guy will get hurt if he has a gun. It will get taken from him or fall out of his pants pocket in the hospital. Um, which weirdly, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jump ahead, but weirdly I did like that scene. Uh, we'll get to that. Let's okay, get, we'll, we'll get, get to, to that. that. Go ahead. Okay. Because uh, um, before that happens, <laughs> his boss yells at him. For losing right. the sign, right? Yeah. Who I believe, by the way, is a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> That's Josh Pace, isn't it? Isn't that Josh, pa- Josh Pace? 
I don't know. Okay, I, uh, uh, he's a voice of a cartoon, or no, he's in well, one of the suits, the rubber electronic suits. Josh pa- Josh Pace has the uh, distinction of being the only person to both be the voice of a Ninja Turtle and in the suit. Which one? He was Raphael in um, the first, Raphael. the first, uh, um, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie, right? Excuse me, I couldn't think of that one word. You know, my whole point <laughs> for being. He he had a great interview on. Um, I was there too. He went through all. He's a martial artist and a. Um, and he was yeah. He was the Joker. He was in. He was Hoyt Vaughn. He is Hoyt. The one, Hoyt. Good white name. <laughs> Two good white names. Hoyt and Vaughn. Um, but yeah, he's the only. He has the distinction of being the only person to be the, both the voice and the person in the suit. So when he writes his autobiography, should it be called Under the Shell or <laughs> In the Shell? Half in, half out, half shell. Yeah, that's right. Uh, half yeah. Very no, it'll just be pizza. <laughs> it'll just be all what it says. <laughs> <laughs> I should not. I mean, <laughs> I really have to make that real in my mind that he actually did that, and then it's extremely funny to me. Exactly. <laughs> Just saying it isn't funny, but no. then if I like make it real in my mind, yeah, it's can, they, I can see it on the shelf, and yeah, it's really there. It's like you reach out, you and see it, a cover. Laughing. It's just kind of white with some. Uh, it's a yellow, like a pale yellow with with drawn pepperoni on it. Yes. And that's all it is. Cheese. Just dripping yeah. the greasy kind of thing. And it just says, <laughs> pizza with an exclamation point. A life by Josh Pace. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm saying his name right. I apologize. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, is this a guy who like invented pizza? Or like he's a pizza? No, he's not. He's just a... He's an actor who played a Ninja Turtle and his, his autobiography is pizza. Funny thing in the last chapter, funny thing is I don't even like pizza. <laughs> it's my editor's idea. <laughs> I'm actually allergic to the combination of tomato, bread, and cheese. <laughs> I had during the shooting of the movie I had so many hives. You actually ate the pizza while in the suit? Oh yeah. No I have the distinction of being the only actor who when the pizza was forced into the mouth of the suit actually ate it. Most of them just shoved it to the side of the enormous cheeks, but not me. I'm a method. I was dressed as a turtle made entirely out of pizza. It was earlier in my youth, unrelated incident. <laughs> In fact, that's what got me hired. They were like, wow. I had ex- I thought about it for years until someone showed me the picture. I'm like, oh, yeah. Related memories, I'll write another book. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
was right after all. Uh. Uh. <laughs> uh. Uh. Okay. So, wait. <laughs> Hoyt, Hoyt yells at Arthur. Poor gentle Arthur. Poor gentle Arthur. Poor gentle white Arthur. For having the... For being so lazy as to lie down in an alley and ask for a foot massage. <laughs> to be mean massaged by feet. feet. Not his feet. To be massaged yeah. by people's feet. And... What do you make of this moment? He gives, Joaquin Phoenix gives this stare. This, this stare at his boss when he's being yelled at. Like he just can't believe this, the sign's going to get docked from his pay. And he's being blamed. This injustice. This right. obvious injustice that he suffered. For which he just received the prize of a gun. Yeah, you're right. The next scene when he's like kicking in the alley, it's like, yeah, I have to pay four hundred dollars or whatever for the sign. And that sign is four hundred dollars. But Come on. free gun. Free, I got a free gun out of it. I mean, yeah, it, power night, of life and death. Uh, nineteen eighty one, four hundred dollars. That's like more than I make in a month. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, comic what was books that sign were made out of. I mean, it it's it splintered quite easily over <laughs> his head. That was made of vibranium. Like oh, different universe. <laughs> Sorry. It wasn't like it went and got teak wood. <laughs> we wanted to have that smell, you know. Yeah. We wanted to. We're going out of business. We're going to do this right. Give me a four hundred dollar sign. With the mahogany inlay. <laughs> it's got mother of pearl. Maybe they let Arthur. Uh, paint it and he kept misspelling all the words in funny ways <laughs> and they charged by the hour it's so an I, artisan store going out of business sign maybe Arthur made it and like maybe 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 it was a wash maybe Arthur made it charged them $400 for it and then they're saying he's coming out of your paycheck $400 back if, it's a wash what if that's a twist like this is a scam he's been doing this whole time <laughs> She really is a mastermind. I, I want to see the movie about the person that sells $400 signs. <laughs> I want to see that movie and all the broken lives that have happened because of it. Signs. <laughs> With Joaquin Phoenix. That's right. It's all connected. Uh, so, yeah, you know, when he was when, when they hit him with the sign and he was being beaten, I kept saying, swing away, swing away, swing yeah. away. Oh, you can't, you're not swinging away. Uh, okay, we have a, a bonus podcast where we uh, establish the Wikinoverse. <laughs> the Wikinoverse, yes. Okay, so what did you think of, uh, this is like a very memorable moment for me. Was it? I completely forgot about it. He gives a stare. Arthur gives a s- evil. Is it evil? Well, isn't the... Is f- it- Incredulous? Is it? Well, I'm looking. I'm looking at it right now. This is a sick joke. Like, what is that stare? I'm looking it was at intense. it. Intense. I'm looking at it right now, and it's to me. It seems like it's supposed to be relatable. It's a relatable moment, I right? Mean, it's like he's suffering an injustice right here. You're suffering an injustice. Right. I already am out money. He's making me do this, but I need this job because I have nothing else. And it is the road to my life's work. So I can't say anything. 
And yet he's also got the problem where he could laugh when he's uncomfortable. So he's trying not to laugh. It doesn't look like he's fighting back laughing. No, no. In that moment, he's trying not to look like he wants to kill him. Yeah, right. And then the next scene is him out in the alley, punching the wall and crying. And so... Is it a scene that's meant to show that he takes this way harder than he should and it is not standing? It's repression is what we're looking at. We're looking at a heightened version of repression, which is something we all can relate to. It's him getting kicked when he, while he's down when he was already getting kicked while he was mm, down. Yeah. So this is, it's supposed to be, an, it's this, this desire here, is, this rage is supposed to be another moment of sympathy. Did it work? That's well, what I'm asking. Well, yes and no. Explain. Well, uh, as we'll get into, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be withholding as I don't want to. Okay, to, so I'm you want to get to I want to get to that discussion later, but this whole movie does, sympathy is a big, is the big question of this movie is how, okay. sympathizing with Arthur. Now, again, I, I don't want to, I'll, we'll get into it deeper later, but I think it, I think it, it, it worked the way it was supposed to work. And I don't think it should supposed to work that way. Okay. That's why I'm saying yes or no. Let's put a button in it. We'll come back. I'm saying, I think, I think I got what Todd Phillips was doing there. um, And I didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) But having said that, it's a moment of injustice. You can't not help but relate to somebody who's being kicked uh, financially after they've been kicked physically. So, I thought it. I thought it worked. Yeah, it, um, it did. It worked because that's the first moment of like malevolence that we're getting from mm-hmm. from Arthur. But it's also tempered with sympathy, right? Yes, right, right. So, like, if we're in a trajectory where this guy who we're being set up to sympathize with is going to become the Joker, a psychotic mass murderer, <laughs> right, right. Um, then like that's a moment that seems like oh good this is like cinematically storytelling wise this is a good step on that journey yeah we see that he has the capacity for malevolence yeah but right Uh, right. now at this moment in a moment that feels justified in a moment that feels justified yes he's trying he's working towards restraining that aspect of himself yep like we're seeing him take a step up the on the up the ladder towards Jokerdom. Okay. It's resisting the call. Next scene though, after the alley, is the hospital gig. You alluded to it. Oh, well th- this the next actual scene is where he meets uh, Zazie Beats. He meets Sophie. Okay. So we we, we jumped I in put that at the wrong And order. then he's okay. giving then he's giving his mom a bath. And then creepy. He, and then but he's then Maybe he, she needs the help. She's now, firm. Then now he's playing with... Now this, the scene that I really thought was great was the scene where he's playing with the gun in front of the television. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a, a little, great scene because it showed his fantasy life, his playfulness, and his complete unawareness with what he actually had in his hands. And then it going off. It's kind of his Travis Bickle. That's are you looking at me? Very much so. His Travis fantasy Bickle moment. moment um, except 
uh, we see his um, incompetence in this moment. Exactly. Too, right. Whereas Travis Bickle didn't walk away from that scene feeling less than. Whereas I think he does. Right. He feels like this isn't. He feels he's embarrassed. He's scared. He's, you know, it has enough of a spin despite its 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 uh, uh, illusions. It's enough of a spin on it that it didn't feel like a copy. This is also one of his many, many shirtless scenes in this yeah. movie. A point I would like to return to later. Right. Okay. Well, the next scene is him watching Sophie take her daughter to war- to school. Oh, the stalking. The, the stalking scenes. Yeah. Then he's watching her go to work. Okay. Sympathy definitely takes a hit. It takes Sympathy a hit. takes a the hit there. Playing with the gun, but then it's a little mm-hmm. bit restored. I'm like, oh, he fucked up. But everybody fucks up. Everybody fucks up. So you don't you don't you don't lose it. But seeing him stalk Sophie is like, oh, okay, right. no, not cool. Right. Never was cool. Never will be cool. Right. Right. The next scene is he's in a comedy club watching comedians and taking notes, laughing, okay. silly uh, thing. Then he's uh, writing his jokes down. Um, and honestly, uh, he's written something down in his notepad that certainly attracted me to seeing the movie in the this was put in the trailer. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. He writes down, people expect you to behave as if you don't. The, the thing about having a mental illness is... The, the worst part about having a mental illness is people yeah. expect you to behave as if you don't. And honestly, if you, even if you take the first part of that away, that honestly is a thought I've had a lot, is the anger at, when, at, at everyone uh, talking to you as if you aren't already doing or putting effort towards something so am i going you know i'm 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 weirdly siding with him not through the clown aspect so much Siggy, but through the mental illness part actually okay. and so like i'm going through that van going oh i actually can relate to him on the troubles that he's having which was at once i found very interesting but also problematic down as the movie progresses so continue well, we'll return to that. I um, I don't think I'm jumping the gun to say I think that could have been the central thesis of the movie is that line. Ah, yeah. Because honestly, that's the reason I went to see the movie, honestly. Yeah. That line. Now, that scene is followed by uh, Sophie coming to his door. And okay. Then, and our then first our fantasy fir- sequence that well, we know of. We later... Other than the... Well, we late unannounced fantasy sequence, right? We uh, a fantasy we later learned to be a fantasy, but come on, we already already knew nobody would <laughs> approach this guy the way that he behaves. So it, um, it wasn't and, long after this scene, the the Sophie comes to his door scene and says, "Were you stalking me today? You're funny, Arthur." Um, <laughs> right, right. It wasn't long after that scene where I paused and went upstairs, and I. Seymour's like, how's the movie? Which he didn't want to come near with the 10-foot pole. And I was like, well, there's the implausible relationship in the movie, which if they, when they reveal it to be a fantasy, it's going to be really hackneyed and hokey and awful. But if they don't reveal it to be a fantasy, it will be unforgivable. Exactly. That's exactly how I felt. I was like, this has to be a fantasy 
or I am going to go Joker on somebody. <laughs> because this has no, you can't, you can't promote relationships like this as being a thing if this, you know, you can't. And so, yeah, it was like, I felt exactly the same way. Great, great analysis. I won't try to belabor it like I'm doing right now. Go ahead. <laughs> Thanks. Um, okay. Then the hospital scene. We're going to get back to Sophie, um, obviously. Okay, next one is the hospital scene. He's doing a song and dance. He's got an old-timey record he's playing. It's cute. Um, <laughs> um, it would have been funny if it was the same one that uh, What's-His-Face plays Run, Rabbit, Run from <laughs> Get Out. <laughs> Now that would have that would have that would have been a hmm. What is that saying? That would have blown. Uh, that would have blown my mind. I was like, wait a second. And the gun falls out of his pants, mm -hmm. and he picks it up. And the next scene is him at a payphone mm -hmm. with his boss, pleading for his job through mouthfuls of pizza. <laughs> for what? Through mouthfuls of pizza. Why would you bring a gun? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pleading for his job because it was part of his act. It's part of his act. Right. Here's this is exactly the point. Okay, the Sophie scene had me like, okay, that's got to be a fantasy sequence, right? Because right. there, there's no way that doesn't make any sense. But this scene is not a fantasy. Sequence. No, not at all. And this is this right here is where the movie lost me. Hmm. For good, it never got me back after this scene. The, was, no, 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 specifically the movie, not the character. The movie, the movie, okay, and the character, and the character. But and, you, you didn't just you didn't just lose the character and then kept with the movie. But the movie lost you. No, okay. movie lost me, okay. and it was the payphone scene. Mm -hmm. I want to get your thoughts on this. Okay, so he's got he's entertaining kids. He takes a gun into the kids' hospital. Mm -hmm. A loaded We don't actually I guess we don't know if it's loaded But given that he's been playing it within his apartment And it goes off We assume it's loaded We have no reason to think it's not loaded We also have no reason to think He's carrying it Because he's afraid every time he walks out on the street mm -hmm. Because we haven't seen that Right Right, right. So it's not like He's terrified He's carrying this gun. He's too scared to go to the hospital without it, so he takes it with him. Boy, that was a mistake. It falls out of his pants. And oh, hey, he endangered children too, right? It could have right. gone off and it fell. Scares the kids. Bad things could have happened. But we understand why he did it. Yeah. It's not like that, though, because we never no. see him scared. You're exactly ever, right. Ever, at any point, even after he gets beat up by the kids in scene number two of the movie we never see him scared when he goes out mm -hmm. we see him angry yes and so he's taken to the, this gun to the hospital we're never we're not there's no setup for it so we can only backfill based on what we've seen we can only that he's taken the gun to the hospital out of anger mm. right and now at the payphone, he's pleading with his boss for his job in a way that shot and acted sympathetically yes. to 
as if here's another bad thing that's happened to Arthur that's going to send him spiraling to become the Joker is that the one tether he had to his life, he lost it when he lost this job. Like the one thing he was trying to do to mm-hmm. function in society is being taken away from him. And here's where the taxi driver comparison like kills this movie and like why Todd Phillips needed to go and watch and pay attention to what taxi f- fucking driver does. Okay. Taxi fucking driver does? <laughs> taxi fucking driver does. Yeah. Okay. Travis Bickle, who we've been given far less reason to sympathize with in Taxi Driver than we've been given with Arthur Fleck in this yeah. movie, right? Far far less opportunities, yeah. But like the one, the, the decent things he tries to do are like have healthy relationships with women. <laughs> He tries. Right? He tries. He he, he, he takes him like a second. He takes him to a porno movie, but that's okay. he doesn't understand. But then he takes Sybil Shepherd to a porno movie, right? right? What's the next thing that happens after he does this terrible thing? Not as bad maybe as taking a gun into a children's hospital. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of on the like unforgivable, like there's no good reason to do that. There's no reason you should have thought that ever could be a good idea yeah. kind of action by this character. You know, the next thing he does is like Arthur Fleck gets on a payphone <laughs> and calls her. Right. Right. And I'm not I'm making so... like a, no. a, a jokey comparison here is right. like this is like the key moment of the movie. Scorsese has said it's the most important scene of the film. And it's definitely like a, 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 uh, I think I was reading Ebert's uh, writing about this movie. As he points out, this, it's a scene that calls attention to itself is. Mm. Camera's on Travis Bickle. He's calling her. He's pleading to get the relationship back. Same way Arthur Fleck is pleading to get his job back. Right. This tether to a normal life, to a normal relationship, his only relationship that he even sort of has in his life. And the camera can't bear to to watch. Right. So it's it's sympathetic, but it in that this is a painful moment, but like Travis is moving beyond us here. Yeah. Like we, we, we have to distance ourselves from him. Right. Not only because it's like painful for him, it's too painful to watch. It's too painful for, to, to watch because it's like also too alien a moment. Yeah. <laughs> right? right. Like this is not, this should not be a relatable moment because nobody should go here. That's the brilliance of that, isn't it? Right. Whereas Joker, what does it do? What does Joker do? It's like, we're right here with you, Arthur. Yeah, we're right here with you. We're Look gonna, at we're you. We're going to take this every step of the way with you, Arthur. That's what this movie does. See, a more... I, I really feel like like a more... Um, granted, I saw a taxi driver too young. and uh, But I feel like this was made by someone who saw a taxi driver too young and hasn't seen it since. Because, yes, a more nuanced director would know in this moment... By zooming in with him, we are with him. And if you, because for me, the biggest problem with this movie is it's obviously getting us to sympathize with Arthur. And I enjoy, and I've, I, I'm very conflicted on this movie because I enjoy, uh, as a person in the real world and as a movie watcher, I live and I watch movies to empathize with people. Yeah. To see 
points of view that I don't either have or get to, or or, or uh, can relate to, and then I'm able to see their side or see myself in them, you know, and and I love villains and bad guys and and otherwise uh, or or anti heroes who I am made to sympathize with. Uh, I hate The Rock. I hate the movie The Rock with, but I love Ed Harris's character and I sympathize with his motivations for doing what he does in that movie and so i find that very i feel that very compelling and good as good storytelling but here i get uh stymied by i'm i'm sympathizing with arthur he's the world is against him the world is not giving him the help he clearly needs and is clearly Mm -hmm. asking for yeah and then at some point in the movie we're supposed to I would think because the ending of the movie, which I found actually the way that I saw it, I found very complex and interesting and uh, good, but it's only those things if we do not sympathize with him. And um, so at some point in the movie, we need to lose sympathy with him. And I, the movie never gave us the moment where it's saying... It would be different for anyone, really, maybe. But there's no moments where you're not sympathizing with him, I think. Yeah, that, so you're like, okay, then yeah. what What do I... Um, what am I supposed to do? Because now the ending, I can see... Which, by the way, before this movie came out, all the think pieces that were written about it, none of them were right. But... I can see how this movie could be very confusing and very pro bad things. And that, that bothered me because if, if I may, maybe we should just wait until we get to the end of the third act. No, let's, let's jump ahead. I'm, I'm done with my tour through the movie scene <laughs> by scene. Um, frankly, I think, I think this is the time to jump to the big That's themes. Let's jump Although to if the... you can uh, cite specific I will. parts of the ending that you think like don't work and and why I think I, that will help here. I, I will. Uh, let me maybe I'll maybe I'll excise some of the stuff I just said and and jump in with more confidence. Um, so yeah, this scene with him at the phone booth, I did have a I had a very complicated relationship with because it was trying to sympath set up with the fact that I, you know in my head I understood why he brought the gun because he's my head is like he gets jumped, he's scared, he's having protection. And I thought it was very terrifying and, and in a good way with him with dropping the gun and him not knowing what to do and kind of passing it off. And everyone is freaked out by the crazy thing that just happened. And of course, he's going to get fired. And then I can understand someone who's mentally ill and holding on to it is trying to lie instead of saying, I'm getting beat up constantly and I'm scared. Yeah. You know, I can see him lying and saying, it's part of the act. It's part of the act. It's not real. It's not real. And then... And then losing his job. But that scene is, you're right. And I, I didn't really know what was wrong with it until you just said that right there. Was that it's shot to be a completely unjust moment for him. Yeah. Instead of, you brought a gun <laughs> to a children's hospital. And and so... And I'm not some real-time genius. I didn't make the taxi driver connection until later. Right. I when I was trying to think of things to talk about for this... Real, real time genius. I like that. <laughs> but 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 that move. But that's exactly it. It was, it was the fact that like we're in that phone booth with him in this moment that I like I can't sympathize with at all. Right. 
that's, exactly. that's where that's where the movie and yet the movie like, is still... movie is on the wrong track right exactly so i was thinking so what movies what what stories visual stories have we seen where our main character is uh someone we don't it, we're made to sympathize with our main character that eventually we turn on and it's a satisfying movie or story. Oh, I thought we were going to ask a different question because I was thinking, okay, that's your question. I was thinking a different question, which was how do you tell a story of a Joker who's going to be a completely shitbag character by the end? Uh, and what movie does that and, and right. Well. Okay. Uh, similar, well, but I wasn't. Well, let's let's go so with, from a sympathetic place as you. Well, let, let's go. Let's go with yours. Um, I mean, no, basically, we can go with yours. Well, no, 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 I no. only had Bad Lieutenant, and I couldn't think of another. Oh, right. That's a, oh. another one I'd seen. I'm like, well, how would you do Joker like Bad Lieutenant? You know, and and how does that's it get away with what it gets? Away how does with? it get away with what it does? Right. Yeah. Because um, well, that's what the, that's my problem with Joker is that you're exulting at the end of the movie. You're exulting with Joker, or you're meant to. Right. In these terrible things he's done, and so, Bad Lieutenant, you don't exult with Bad Lieutenant, whatever his name is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> lieutenant, Bad Lieutenant. I'm just imagining a comic book that says Bad Lieutenant, and everyone refers to him as Bad Lieutenant in the movie. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and then they have um, nicknames that's for a, you, like Bad Loot. <laughs> I'm going I'm to have to see that again to make to do a deeper discussion on that because that's a fascinating comparison. That would make a great double feature, actually. To see this movie and Bad Lieutenant together and see what, why does that work and isn't. Now, the. Well, let's do yours though. Well, the, What's the ones where you well, start was, off sympathetic well, and it the, turns? The, it's, kind of an unf, it. it's kind of the unfair question because the only one I can come up with that works is Breaking Bad, which had five, six seasons to do what it did. Yeah. And, right. and, and space of a movie. And everybody had a different point where they turned on Walter White. I think everybody has a moment. That's different than when even Vince Gilligan said, I turned on Walter White long before the audience did, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's because it was so potent, the uh, sympathy for him and what he was seemingly doing in the beginning and even his bad qualities. Um, Frank Cranston's just such a charismatic. <laughs> right. Well, performer, the, fa- right? The, 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 the impotence that weighs on him, the ineffectual, the, 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 the anger at, the the loss and the being cheated and the 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 humility and all this stuff you know and then just going I'm dead the only thing I want to do is make sure that my family and my son and my daughter is is taken care of but then when the remission happens and he realizes he's fucked them all then uh, but then coming into his own and realizing really what's powering him through all this is that he's just good at it and he likes it it makes him feel good and everything else is going away and so i kind of turned on him in my mind i turned on him when he poisons the kid spoiler alert for breaking bad (laughs) but honestly it was so potent i really never lost hope that he would be redeemed i never lost hope Hmm. and this because and and so you know this movie joker Brings into the question like, okay, who is beyond second chances and beyond redemption and beyond help if this is all the case? And to me, Joker, the ending of Joker works in a very positive way. When you look at it, like if you think, okay, the point of this movie is 
This is a society, and this is what I got, this is what I did get from the movie. And I'm going to say something very, admittedly, very film snobbish at the end of it. Okay. Um, which I, I regret, but I'm going to say it You anyway. have the degree. I think you have some entitlement. Well, I, I wasn't there making the movie with him, so I can't really okay. make past this kind of judgment. But I'm going to for sake of conversation. And that is, um, this movie works to me very well if the movie is about when a society is crumbling from a macro level, we're looking when, the, when a society like this is falling apart due to inequality, poverty, anger, anger, you know, just being consumed by anger and um, injustice. And it turns on people who need help. These are the conditions to which someone like Arthur Fleck can be risen to a populist leader without any of his actual intent to do so. This is how a whole bunch of people elevate someone who by no means should be their leader. Kind of a little, little Trumpy in there too, if you catch my meaning. Because Except he wanted to be a leader. He wanted to be a leader. But, yeah. but Joker never wanted to be a leader. He just wanted to be seen and be recognized and not shed on. And everyone else just took his actions as being whatever they wanted to take it as. And then he came out and saw everyone was got his, had his face. And he's like, I'm being seen. And then his dance at the end was like a surprise to him. Like, I'm being loved finally. Not like I've got the control of the masses like a Heath Ledger would. This he's the dance like, on the, on on the, the burning car. car. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm finally accepted when they're all looking to him to lead them out of this social inequity. And so when he's that really has no intent to, or concept that that's what's being um, asked of him. And so to me, that that ending only works if we lose sympathy with Arthur or never joined down that path to begin with. That we're not one of the masses holding him that up. That we're not one of the masses holding him up. So at the end, mm -hmm. so that's fantastic because that's my, when I asked earlier, how do you think it's been accepted by everyone else? by the majority, I kind of have this weird fear that people watching the end of the movie might be like the crowd. Whereas we're supposed to be going, oh no, this is how like, this is how a crowd allows a Trump or a Hitler or a Joker to become their leader. And so, but here's the thing that I'm going to be shitty about. I, I don't think that Todd Phillips intended that mending to be that good. Uh, like that, and I think he still doesn't know that it is. <laughs> um, but that's I can't really shouldn't speak on what he thinks. All I know is, well, is just, I, I just think that message, and I think it's there. I think it's extremely muddled. Yes, in the movie, and we can talk about the reasons why. Why? Well, yeah, because I I, I don't know at what point we're supposed to not be with Arthur anymore, after all that we felt for him. And all the complications, when are we, because we're like, well, yeah, well, I mean, what, how, when are we not supposed to, uh, after seeing this movie, and I'm, I, I'll try, I promise I'm not going to diverge, I'll try not to diverge too long. I promise I'll try. <laughs> Notice I changed that. <laughs> I promise I'll try. Um, I've, I've been watching all the Halloween movies recently, 
And because I'm in love with this podcast uh, in Myers We Trust with Gorley and Rust, excuse me, with Geyers and Rust, Gorley changed his name to Geyers so the rhyme scheme would work. They did all the Friday the 13th movies before, and then now, he's, now they're doing all the Halloween movies. And I'd seen probably half of them. Um, I've now found two of my most hated movies of all time. Movies I hate more than any others now. Oh, ooh. and that is Rob. That is Rob Zombie's Halloween and Rob Zombie's Halloween Two. Okay, when he reboots, tell. I have not seen them, so um, please go ahead, extrapolate, and see if this sounds familiar. Pontificate. Um, <clears throat> well, well, I hate them for many reasons, but I mainly hate them because um, they do call into question kind of my own sense of humanity as a movie watcher. Which normally I'd be like, I'm all for. I like wondering why I laughed when Marvin got his head blown off in Pulp Fiction. You know, I like that stuff. I like questioning myself and my own reactions and things like that. Um, and I, I don't, you just listen to, um, if, for all you out there, just listen to In, in Gorley We Trust with, Myler's We Trust with Gorley and Rust, the How, Rob Zombie episodes, and you'll, you'll get a nice rundown of what this movie, these movies are like. But suffice to say, what, Rob Zombie is not a bad filmmaker. He's he's, but he's. I don't think he's ever made a good film. <laughs> um, he's a great he because you see him with scenes in your and, and choices, and you're like, oh, he's got some real talent. He knows what he's doing, and he's deciding to do this. Apart from the fact that he's simultaneously say pissing on people for liking these movies, but then and then going, isn't this really cool? At the same time. Um, well, how does he do that? How is he pissing? I, at people? I, I don't want to get. I don't want. It'll take too long. But basically, he's saying. He's saying. Well, you want to see what you know. You like slasher movies, right? You want to see what slasher, what killing people is really like. I'm going to show you what killing people is really like. And then at the same time, going this 13 year old. Yeah, isn't this isn't this awesome? And um, you're like, well, how can you berate me for liking something and then saying it's awesome? I I mean, Scream Two did that very well with the Jada Pinkett Smith murder at the beginning of that movie where it's in the movie theater and everyone's there wearing the scream mask wanting to see this movie and then she gets killed she's standing in front of all of them actually mur- like bleeding from stab wounds and you do kind of get this self-reflexive things like yeah why do i like these movies you know mm-hmm. that that did that very well i think um rob zombie does this thing that really okay so imagine this 2007's Halloween, 51 minutes of the movie is with Mike, Michael Myers as a 10-year-old. Okay. So we find out that he's got a horrible family, a horrible home life. He's bullied. He's, uh, his, his, his sexuality is questioned. His sister hates him. He's just everything is awful for him, this poor kid. So you're being sent to sympathize with this boy and i guess view his murders as empowerment maybe right and then when he's put in a mental institution he starts hiding behind masks and you're supposed to sympathize and you can't help but sympathize with this poor with this boy from this terrible thing and then suddenly he's tyler main who uh, played, you know, uh, a saber tooth in the first X Men movie. This huge guy with huge beard. He's being abused in the mental institution, and then, then he just starts murdering um, people that are. There's a moment where he murders the one guy who's nice to him, Danny Trejo, and you kind of wonder: Is this the point where 
we're supposed to flip on him. But the, you know, because the whole thing does the same thing. It's like, when do we flip on this poor kid? Right? When do we flip? But the whole time you're watching the beginning, you're going, I can't sympathize with this. This guy's Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the empowerment of the murders going either unchecked or encouraged is like, I can't, I, 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 this, this feels reprehensible. However, the first Halloween movie, John Carpenter's Halloween, which I, I do regard as a masterpiece. I mean, but Carpenter has a certain, and, and I think Gor- Matt Gorley put it perfectly. He said that there's a shoddiness to his work that both makes it work on a genius level and works against it at the same time. <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's, I completely agree with that because I love Escape from New York. That has the same elements to it, right? Um, but I do believe the Hall- his Halloween is a masterpiece. But it only works if you don't try to sympathize with Michael Myers as someone who's mentally ill. And in Carpenter's distrust of systems and of people and of classes which is evident in, you know, Assault on Precinct 13 and, they, and then the opposite side on They Live, you know, I wouldn't put it past him to kind of have this view of the mental ill, mentally ill. And, you know, if, if you really take that as your view of how we should handle the mentally ill, it's terrible. Like the doctor going, he's evil, he's evil, <laughs> he's not human. Because, <laughs> you know, he's never referred to as Michael Myers in the movie. He's either the Myers boy Michael or and Loomis never calls him Michael he calls him he and the shape and the movie in the script refers to him as the shape never calls him Mike the script he's always the shape I didn't know that he's never Michael Myers in, in the in the in the movie and so then you've got the mask over him which is a human face but completely devoid of any right. humanity right, right. famously right. the William Shatner mask that's going on so when you start to try to figure out Michael's motivations, things start to fall apart and the, the movie doesn't feel... So you're going, do I keep my enjoyment? Because the movie, the Halloween seems to be about like um, something can just choose you for no apparent reason, walk into your house and murder you and walk into other houses and murder you. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's a force of nature. It's yeah. like a force. It's of, a force it's of a nature. It's a force of evil. It's, it's evil like, incarnate. It's like Godzilla and Shin Godzilla. It's just moving through. Right. 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 It's just moving through. You can't reason with it. You can't reckon with it. You can't uh, tempt it or uh, throw it off. It has nothing to do with sexuality. It's just has nothing to do with rage. Has nothing to do with. Um, it's not even a choice that he's making. Making. It's just I, this is when, what, what he's going to do. So that sounds like the problem with the Rob Zombie. And so this so exactly you know, totally makes it's like it. I can't take the shape of a tragedy because the, the, the tragic moment would be he makes the, the fatal decision to don the mask. And like that's right now. Now there's no turning back. Now there's no turn. But that's not how the right. movie does. Yeah. It, and, and so it, he can't make if he makes a decision to put on the mask. It's not the Michael Myers that we've. Right. Exactly. He's not the force of nature anymore. He's not a force of nature. He is Something a tragic. He's a yeah. tragic figure that has um, been pushed over the edge to now not have humanity, and then it's not even enjoyable. And plus, 
Nobody in the movie, with the exception of Daniel uh, Daniel Harris as Annie Brackett and uh, Brad Duroff as Sheriff Lee Brackett, nobody in that movie do you like. You don't like anybody. You can't like anybody, and and you and it's terrible. So so, but then he does things that are actually kind of filmically good, and you're like, oh, you can do some good stuff. <laughs> like the best scene in Halloween Two is Sheriff Brackett and Annie having breakfast, and you're like, can I just watch this for two hours, please? <laughs> this is great, you know. And so I think you're I think you're you're leading me to to think that this is just a problem with the Joker characters that shouldn't joker get the mike myers treatment and in the best joker depictions like heath ledger's Mm -hmm. isn't he kind of like that where he is like just a force of chaos he admits to arthur dent like he has no real motivation i'm a dog chasing a car i wouldn't know what to do if i caught it you know i'm just i'm just a force of chaos at work in the world but and that's why he has no definitive origin story is because Having like a, yeah. a pat explanation for him, like it has to just be he's just like something that happened, like materialized in the world as a, as a yin to Batman's yang. Because Batman right. exists, the Joker came into being. That's fascinating. To balance him did out, you did you right? ever did you ever read um, Dimension of Miracles by who I believe no, by, by Robert Sheckley? Um, if you can get the audio audible produced version that's done produced by Neil Gaiman, who hired John Hodgman to read this book, it's amazing. It's a perfect reading. Shackley, and, is this um, uh, P- P- PDQ Bach? That I think I think it's, one of those it's, it's it's Condor Man. Oh, it's a uh, Game of X Shackley. It's Mind Warp Shackley. I, I think. Hold on a second. I I I hope I'm not wrong about that. Um, Anyway, Dimension of Miracles is a book that Neil Gaiman, everyone, when, when Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy came out, uh, people thought, oh, this is like Dimensions of Miracles in a way. Dimension of Miracles. And um, uh, Robert Sheckley, right. Okay, it's Robert Sheckley. And um, Neil Gaiman said he had the honor of introducing it to Douglas Adams. And he was like, it's like, and when he read it, he's like, it's like reading something I've always known and for the first time. Like, he's like, it was an influence on Hitchhikers and I've never read this before. Hmm. You know, and it's, it's really good. But in it, there's a, basically it's a story about a guy who unwittingly, without his knowledge, wins a, a, a universal lottery and is told an earthling going, hey, we're going to take you off so you can claim your prize. So they whisk him off to, through the multiverse to this place to get his prize. And then he says, okay, so can I go back home now? And they're like, well, that's not up to us. You've got to figure your own way. You know, we, don't, we just bring you here. And then he's like, well, well how, do I, where, how do I show me where I, where I go to get home? And they're like, well, it's not just where, it's when. <laughs> you got to find out where and when you were. I don't know. We don't know that. No one does. If you don't know how to do it, that's not our problem. And so the whole thing is him trying to find the incalculable way to getting back to Earth. And, and something star- has, a beast has, his name is Carmody, and a beast has, has uh, uh, suddenly started chasing him, wanting to devour him. And it follows him from universe to universe to where he, where, through his travels. And he, he's explained to him at one point that the reason this has happened is because before there was no Carmody in this universe and the universe works on balance where there is a predator and prey and suddenly we have a prey where there is no predator 
So the universe made one, and it eats mm. only Carmody's. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what do I do about it? He's like, you're its prey. You run. <laughs> I like that idea that that the universe just manifested this part. But it, it kind of feels like, you know, the calling somebody has to be like, I don't know why I need to do this. I'm just doing it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know why I need to write books. I don't know why I'm interested in, in robotics. I don't know why I'm, I want to be a painter. It's just, it's just, that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. And, and uh, so Joker is a force of nature, albeit a more, a much more, rich in character than say Michael Myers. Yeah, is more appealing. But my question then is, is it more appealing because it's easier for me to be comfortable, to have comfort with that idea as a human being? That it, do, is there more comfort in the idea of the unstoppable characterless evil than there is with knowing that that's just another human being like me under different circumstances, right? Like, to take, take the army, for example. The army has to dehumanize the enemy to get its soldiers to kill the enemy because if it doesn't, they're going to have problems. They're going to pause. Right. They're going to maybe not do it or later suffer greater consequences if they don't view the enemy as human. But they are. Mm-hmm. Right? Agreed. They are. So of course, I haven't been through basic no, training. So I haven't either. That's why I think that. Exactly. So my question is, is that as a moviegoer, am I telling myself, am I that this is a bad movie because I'm thinking of them as human? And I'm, or do I just want to have my horror movie? Do I just want my Michael Myers to be inhuman to kill because it's more pleasurable for me than it is for me to actually go consider the fact that he is a human underneath that. He's not the shape. He's Michael Myers. So are, are we we're talking about Halloween and Joker here? Like yeah, combined? combining the two. Movies in general, like like, um, like but, but because honestly, when I saw Halloween, I immediately thought of Joker. It's like, oh, these movies have the same issue. Where if they're making me sympathize with this iconic character to get me to think differently about it. But then the end is something wholly um, unforgivable if I continue to sympathize with them. Then at some point I got to lose sympathy, right? But as a film goer, I don't want to lose sympathy. Because otherwise... That's tragedy... I mean, the, the tragic form, that's how it mm-hmm. works. It's a character that you sympathize. You watch them make a series of mistakes. They make the final mistake. And, and then the, you have to no go... going back. You have to... You, yeah, where, where's the point? I guess that's that's... That's the tragedy of me as a moviegoer and as me as someone in my life with people who need help. It's like, where do I draw the line? Where do, what point do I back off and say, I, I can't do this anymore? Right. Right. And that's how you achieve pathos in the, in the storytelling is mm. like you, you can sympathize that they made the final mistake. You're glad you didn't make that mistake. But... <laughs> But they, they have doomed they did. themselves. They did, and now I have to let them go. Because... You have to let them go. Now they have to bottom out, or they have destroyed themselves, or um, mm. you know they have destroyed everyone around them. Walter White. 
Yeah, uh, certainly. You know, at at some point, it's it's a bridge too far. Right. And that's the that's the tragic form, and that's the form Joker does not take. Right. And that's because yeah. It he he emerges from his chrysalis, and now he is fully formed. He is self-actuated. He has finally gotten everything he wanted. He hasn't lost anything. Right. <laughs> except his humanity, but he wasn't enjoying that anyway. <laughs> exactly. Because uh, he's finally getting what he wanted all yeah, along. Exactly. And so it's a triumph. It's it's yeah. his his arc is a triumphant arc. See something about something about the ending, which again should have ended probably about at least 15 seconds or more before it did. Like things just hung, like points were gotten and then we continued to linger on his face for way longer and got nothing more from it. Um, uh, like I'm talking about the hospital scene after the, the car, which I, I thought sure that it was going to end with the flaming car. It's like, okay, fade out. You've made you think a thing. And then they put him in the hospital at the end to show that, okay, he's been caught, but he's fully him that now. That has cemented himself as as uh, as who he is now unabashedly, and so um, and then I think about that moment though another moment the um, that he said when he asked the social worker in his second when she tells him we can't meet anymore when he's saying you're not listening you keep saying do you have any negative thoughts all I have are negative thoughts. Now, as someone who, um, you know, struggled with depression, that was a weirdly relatable moment where you have sympathy with with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, to then, I don't know, I I feel like there was so much more that could have been done scene to scene. And maybe it would have been ham-fisted, but like, but something like you said with the fact that we never saw him scared to be outside again to warrant carrying the gun with him everywhere. Um, we needed yeah, more of that, the, right? And and, and, He's on and the, the subway when he shoots the three, yeah, rich people who are just like mid-level executives. They don't seem that rich, but whatever. Which, by the Not way. Like, not like right. iconically rich. Not iconically rich. They're not Jordan uh, Teffler, who was the Wolf of Wall Street guy. I don't know. But the the here's something interesting, though. So in the beginning, we're setting up all these people of color who are against him. And then we get the wealthy, the white wealthy people actually physically hurting him later, who he takes it out on. Right? Yeah. Not coming to the defense of the woman they were harassing yeah the not coming to that well that would make him more heroic right that would make him more like you know he had a chance to be batman but instead he's joker yeah but um that that would that's a take this story could have could have yeah but we didn't have t- made that take we didn't we didn't get that though. we didn't get that though we and so that's why um the there's fact, where he could have zigged instead of zagged right. yeah we don't get that and that's why um the fact that Todd Phillips got a Best Director nomination and Greta Gerwig did not really, oh boy, because this feels like, you know, it really does feel like a 13-year-old wanting, like, Scorsese fanboy, you know, just not understanding what, 
Yeah. So, I mean, going, going into this, it's like, hey, the guy who made the Hangover movies is going to make a serious movie uh, taking a different spin on Joker. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's odd. But I'm totally not against that. Everyone's a fil- filmmaker is a filmmaker. I'm totally pro, totally for it. Let's see what you can do. Mm-hmm. And then I started hearing him talk about it. Now, granted, I've been there myself, not on his scale, obviously, but I've been there myself where you're, people are start sh- crapping, shitting on what you're doing. You've spent a lot of time on something and then you talk out of reactionary like that, like that and you're not really thinking too much about what you're saying. You can say some dumb things. I, I get that. And so I want to cut him some slack on that. But listening to what he's saying, you're going about the reaction to his movie, about comedy, about uh, comic book movies in general. You're just one. You're just like, dude, just on a basic level when he says, I'm trying to interject a real movie into a superhero movie. And you're like, dude, do you know who's going to go see this movie? Superhero (laughs) fans. And you're going to you're going to say the movies they like aren't real movies. You're just hurting your own box office, which of course didn't. But um, and then you know he goes on to, to 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 talk about his movie in a way that he doesn't seem to understand even what his movie's doing. Uh, and, can you give an example? Well, like okay, so remember he got mad because the people started, and granted they were off base too, talking about how this movie might incite violence. There were lots of think pieces. In fact, security guards were put out on a lot of theaters expecting to have some sort of outbreak of violence. Mainly based on the fact of the shooting at the Dark Knight Rises where the guy came dressed as the Joker. Now, the Joker has always carried a bit of macabre. I mean, heck, Heath Ledger died before the movie came out and everyone showed up to the premieres with his makeup on. I wonder if the people would have done that if he hadn't died. If they would have just discovered how amazing his performance was after the fact, but he was already being canonized or lionized, um, sight unseen. And then that happened. So people are worried. What's this kind of cult around this? We need to like prepare. And Todd Phillips was upset because he said, how come my movie's getting this when John wick three isn't, how come John wick gets to blow everybody away and I make a death that matters. And suddenly people are scared. There's going to be violence. And Which death does he think matters? Right. <laughs> That's a great point. And I've always argued the po- point, too. I've always argued that video game violence, I think, is far more disturbing and damaging than deaths that have a dramatic weight or, like, some sort of really heavy impact to them get R ratings, whereas, you know, just mowing down people without thought is more PG. Um, however, you go, well, look at the difference here. Um not even taking the fact that it's a fantasy is up front. Secondly, it's whereas, um, whereas Joker like is grounded in is trying a place where trash is piled up on the streets because of a garbage strike. Right. Like it's you know it, it's trying to be like this is the a gritty right. reality it's, that we're in. Yeah. I th- I think Joker is trying to make signifiers that it is a important movie that it's a gritty and real movie mm-hmm. without backing that up with a lot. Yeah. Uh, it, it says I'm a nuanced, important movie without putting a lot of nuance into it. And I think the nuance take I have the, uh, from the ending, I think, Cap, is, is actually kind of just lightning in a bottle. Um, but um, 
what I was going to say. Oh, but John Wick, John Wick t- is like, okay, John Wick is a revenge fantasy where someone who's at a loss gets the one thing taken from him, and so he fights back. And John Wick 2 and 3 are people, him fighting back against the people who are trying to kill him for fighting back, right? <laughs> so there's like a definite cause and effect that's very simple that, yeah, has... A, also, they're living in a world where literally... The end of John Wick 2, I think, is really, really funny because it denotes that there are no there are no people in the world who aren't assassins. <laughs> like, there is no normal people in the world, only assassins. It's like assassin's planet. And so there's no innocent bystander, basically, to get hurt because everyone's in on it. Um, whereas Joker is like a societal commentary where a society is against you and we need to tear it down. And that the fear that the violence will be gratifying with that kind of message, that's why people are concerned. That's why it's not John Wick 3. Be- because Joker is gratified by it. Because he is gratified by it. Whereas because John Wick is not gratified for the first by time. it. Yeah. <laughs> he, has a da- he has a dance after murdering that person in the, in the subway. He, he, he starts has a dance to dance in the bathroom, right? Like he yeah. feels free. He feels free for the first time. After murdering right? someone. Dance now, as a signifier of freedom. Another connection with Jojo Rabbit. Oh my gosh. I've got a wow. list. You got a list. We'll go over that next time. So yeah, that's the difference why. So you're looking at it and then his comments on comedy and his comments on everything is just like, dude, uh, you know, please don't ruin it for other <laughs> for non-genre filmmakers to get their chance to make genre movies. <laughs> but apparently that's not the case. I can't wait to see what his sequel Joker 2 is going to be like. Because <laughs> I made a billion dollars. Sure, it's going to happen. So um, let's talk about the would-be political message of this movie. Whatever it is, whatever it is Todd Phillips thinks he's saying. I don't know, okay. but, but I think it's summed up perfectly by the Honest Trailer that I just that just came out recently. Okay. And the honest trailer has this great moment where it goes, "Do you feel some type of way about society? This movie does." <laughs> that's, yeah, that's oh no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. It's, "Do you feel some type of way about society? This movie does." That's how it goes. It's perfect. It's like, yep, that's about right. Yeah. It has a self, it has a, it has a, it's a message movie that I dare you to, the director to explain what the message is because I don't think he really knows. I think his message is Scorsese movies are cool. But also <laughs> Trump. Trump, Trump, yeah. Trumpism. <laughs> Trumpism, yeah. Class, Bernie Sanders. Uh, class, and class divisions. Garbage. garbage and rats. Super rats, which never get... I kept waiting for a super rat to show up in this movie. <laughs> you know. You know, check off super rat. <laughs> okay, I want to pick up from the subway shooting. Okay. Subway and the whole folk movement. He shoots these three guys. He does his bathroom dance. To the music, by the way. I guess we'll cover this in the Oscars episode. Right. Score is pretty awesome in this movie. It is. It's very good. Score really works. Costuming, very good in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, 
the folk movement that starts up after the subway shooting was preposterous. <laughs> it's preposterous, right? Yeah. Now, do I have the order of events right? Is that there's already, like, the next day, bef- the, the, the movement has already started before Thomas Wayne says his, the people who don't work hard enough are all clowns. Oh, the clown movement? Or just the, the unrest in like, general? Isn't, like, the next day... Like the next before the Thomas Wayne thing, like the, we see a front page and it's like, we see, should we kill all the rich people or something? Well, the only way that we know that there's a movement is that hey, there's garbage on the streets and all the headlines tell the themes of the movie. Because <laughs> 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 you just there's there's newspaper again. I, I should really cite Honest Trailer put that really well. They just kept showing newspaper after, and when you see. Honest trailers do a supercut of all the newspaper headlines. You realize how ham-fisted it all really is. Just well, they every... weren't spinning and zooming <laughs> towards the right, but they're just all like, "Here's what we want you to think. Here's what you want you to know. Here's a think, think, think." And then you realize we didn't see any of this. We just saw newspaper headlines. We didn't really right. see unrest. We don't really know why anyone joins this movement, um, except that. They're not rich and other people are. Yeah, they're angry that there's there's such a disparity. There's such a disparity in our culture right now, and most people, even the most people, even the poor people, refuse to believe it. It's I weird. That's because nobody has murdered three what? mid-level executives <laughs> in clown makeup. <laughs> Obviously, if they had, people what? would start wearing clown masks and rioting. Why didn't we think of that? We should have just worn clown makeup. It's the spark that's that's missing from this yeah. powder keg. Exactly. Is an an, aff, an odd affectation. Yeah. But it's it's it is. It's just like it happens because the movie needs it, needs to. it to happen. Right. And so it just happens. Like it's not set up at all. It's not like there's already rioting happening happening. Mm-hmm. There's a garbage strike. Okay, so the garbage yeah. people are in a labor dispute. People are angry. But we don't see them demonstrating on the streets. No. We don't see like any sign that there's like tension, except for, you know, Arthur says his social worker, it seems like it's getting crazy out there, but it almost seems like they could have just added that in the pickup, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, we need to set this up more, right? Right. It's like because we didn't do it like, at all. Show us right. that. Boy, all it would take is people are so angry at the rich <laughs> that all it would take is shooting three of them for everyone in a clown makeup for everyone to start dressing up as clowns and burning things in the streets right. and murdering millionaires as they exit movie theaters. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty preposterous. It, it just it just like comes out of nowhere and it's just immediately they start wearing all and not just they don't like start painting their faces as clowns. They all agree on the same right. clown mask. <laughs> if we had this kind of organization and unity in any other social movement, how much cha- how much change could we actually achieve? It's amazing. Yeah. And like, also and here's the other thing, not only do they all pick the same clown mask they get an accurate depiction of what he looked like. <laughs> right. 
Well, no, it does, oh. uh, it, it does have green hair. Yeah, but he doesn't. He, he oh, he didn't get. Hair. He put the green hair on after the mask became big. I guess right. No, he's got green hair in the. No, he's wearing a wig. No, because he he's wearing he's wearing he's got green he's got the bald head and the green uh, side hair when he gets attacked, but he doesn't actually get the green hair until he's dyeing it to go on the Murray Franklin show. Yeah, Ugh. but um, but they had the right color hair. But they had the right color hair. Did they have the green hair in the subway? So I'm guess. That's what no, matters. he didn't. didn't he did. Oh, he did. He had the fake thing on the subway, but then he leaves it behind, right? Because he it gets ripped off of him. Well, there you go. He had the green hair, so he they got that right too. So yeah, so like, because, oh, because what they did there was a there was like a green hair clown. There was like a sketch artist something or other. Because there's an eyewitness who we don't know who it is. It was we have a, no idea who, who it was. And we presume it's the woman who was getting harassed. Right. It's like, well, I saw those three guys and this clown guy. And gave a description. Guy. And then everyone starts wearing a mask that looks like the sketch artist found, thing yeah. that they put on the well, front page. Well, we found page. clown hair on the scene. That explains it. Must have been the clown guy shot him. We took we we took it to uh we we did a DNA testing on the clown hair, and it turns out it's Don Post. I don't know. Who's Don Post? He made he used to make those masks, and he was a Hollywood mask maker, but he had the Don Post. Oh, I, I the 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 thing with the string behind those plastic masks. Yeah. Sorry. Actually, wait. I think what you meant to say was Ben Cooper mask. Just. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Long walk. <laughs> Sorry, I've been talking about Joker for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> so the other preposterous thing to me was um, that Murray. Franklin <laughs> would get a hold of the video from the Pogo Club yeah. of Arthur's open mic and then feature it in his monologue. Yeah. And not even build any jokes around it. Just like, no, just like, think you could do my job. Roll the clip. Yeah, that sucked. Play, clip plays. Oh, really? You don't say. Like, that was it. Like, that was his, <laughs> that was the payoff. That was the joke. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like now, that's, his, but, that's what his writers came up with. You know, weirdly, I didn't. Uh, you know, I I was just I was like going, well, it's like Studio sixty on the Sunset Strip. You know, he doesn't know how to do comedy. It's making a drama. Drama people don't know comedy. Wait, it's Tom Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't come up with something funny for a comedian yeah, it's to like, say. It's like I mean, can't like that's, throw a few bucks at someone from. Seth Meyers and exactly see that okay so what I found more unforgivable is that that live uh, telecast where he's brings the Joker on I less have trouble with the fact that he does any of this at all that Murray Franklin books makes any of this happen than I do that when it starts going south <laughs> that he doesn't just go okay that's it everyone you know yeah. security let's take him away we're done with here let's move on it's not live they're taping the show. Well, they do say it's live. Oh, they do say it's that's, live. That's not how they do those that's shows. That's not how they do those shows. Carson, yeah. Maybe, by 81, they weren't. Okay, because I kept thinking, what you know, uh, Crispin Glover said I could kick, and David Letterman says, okay, we're going to commercial, and then it cuts off. Yeah. You know, this guy's clearly doing, you know, and, and, and then you get Murray saying really antagonizing things to someone that he's already acknowledged is unstable. Yeah. 
and he pushes him and pushes him and pushes him and pushes him and then in a terrible shot just a laughably bad shot gets shot in the face right like i just i was like that is i was so disgusted by how <laughs> just hokey and terrible that that whole thing i was embarrassed for de niro i was this, embarrassed for him yeah this scene is the the worst executed scene in the movie Yes, because it, writing, it's writing, acting, it, directing, everything. It's a complete failure. I thought it was a complete disaster. And those two, and those two people on the couch, they were directed to stay there. I know. I'm like, After, he's not. The guy next to him shoots the host through the head, and they don't get up and run away. <laughs> There's like, we're live, so I guess we're stuck out here until someone says yeah, we're I'm going to commercial. I'm mic'd up. What can I do? Yeah. That would be embarrassing if maybe my shirt flew up because of the mic. I um, can't leave my mark. <laughs> Tape's there. My director said stay. Exactly. So, yeah, it was like like it starts out pretty tense in concept. And then as it goes on, you're like, this wouldn't happen. Like you, the reality just crumbles around it to the it point where live. it wouldn't be live. Yeah, everything. They wouldn't go live. They wouldn't. Uh, they wouldn't bring them to the couch. Probably they like, you know, you do a segment they, if they did bring up a couch, like Murray would have a plan for how he wants to structure the interview. Right. But it's just like, no, we're just going to have him on and just let him say whatever he wants. <laughs> this is a man who has checked out. <laughs> he is you like, know? he's like, I'm two days from retirement. <laughs> and we don't get the moment where, I mean, they could have had the moment where like yeah. he sees like, oh, this guy's serious about shooting these people. Okay. Okay. This. This guy's telling bad jokes. This is going awful. I have my plan, though, for how I'm going to make this entertaining for the audience. But instead, right. it's just like, I'm waiting for the punchline. So, yeah, instead. Right? instead, and then, like, he finds out he shot him. And, like, okay, well, now I'm going to turn into a serious television person and try to get serious answers out of this guy. But there's no, like, he doesn't, that character doesn't have, like, a turn. Murray no, doesn't, like, Murray have a pivot. Murray never has a pivot. A character turn where he's like, uh, now I want something different in this scene. Right. <laughs> I will say the one thing that's successful about this scene is that Joaquin Phoenix does telegraph somehow that he probably that like it seemed like when he comes out there his intent is to kill himself. Well, like, yeah, we like see like him his, it. Like yeah, like his his intent is to kill himself, and then you kind of see the point where he, I think Joaquin Phoenix does do, and we haven't even mentioned his performance in this though yet. It's, like, it's, it's really good. It's I mean, really good. It's really good. I mean, he's pretty spectacular. We'll do but, the whole best actor category, and we'll we can get. I, with you it. know, I would give I I, I give a uh, uh, award in my own in my own awards that I've mentioned before the Carnies, uh, and one of the categories is best performance in a shitty movie, <laughs> because there are movies where you got somebody who's doing a great job, but the movie's just terrible and it's never going to get any attention. And so yeah. I will do that and again, and I think this would certainly applies. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, and so, and I've said that even saying that I liked it more than I did because I did really like the, what I felt like the movie was saying in the end, but the previous two third, the three quarters of the movie didn't support it. And so it's, so here Joaquin Phoenix does make it very, um, tangible, his shift from deciding to kill himself to then going, no, wait a second. And then turning to kill someone else, um, I, I I did find that at least was telegraphed. But you're right; it is the worst executed scene in the entire movie, and yet it feels like it's the 
it's supposed to be like the big set piece yeah. and it's right it's terrible <laughs> it's it's really bad camera placement camera, camera choice of camera angles the timing within the scene like i do the dead air i yes, do it's awful i do feel like um joker and one other movie that i have not seen yet that i won't mention um i i get the feel i know joker but i get the feeling that that the other one too are are nominated mainly just so people watch the Oscars. Well, yeah, that's showbiz. <laughs> that's showbiz, you know. Um, that's, I mean, that's why we have nine Best Picture nominees. So, so we know so why people watch the Oscars and then go to the movies. Wait, yeah, I, but I want exactly. to not get off the scene because I will, okay. Let's I go. Got, I've got continue. more to say. I, I will I not. May. I will not stop you. Okay, I'm going to read some quotes that I think highlight why this movie doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> all right. As First if our all, previous two and a half, two and a half hours didn't, uh, um, didn't convey that. <laughs> the, I think this sums it up okay. it's right here. And it's right in this scene, which is supposed to be the key scene in the whole movie. Okay. Uh, a, the political muddiness of the movie. Uh, comedy is subjective. Murray. Isn't that what they say? All of you. And he turns to the studio audience. The system that knows so much. You decide what's right or wrong the same way you decide what's funny or not. Now look at that line. The system that knows so much. And he's calling the audience the system? And he turns to the, he turns to, maybe he's turning to the camera. It sure looks like he's turning to the studio audience to me. Yeah, he did. He did. And he says, all of you, the system that knows so much. Hmm. What does that? What does that even mean? The system that knows so much. It's it's Todd Phillips saying everyone says I have that my stuff isn't funny. When it is, that's I think that's what that was. So the system is just everybody who doesn't like Arthur. Yeah, it's not like the people who run Gotham City. Oh no no no! Who own Gotham City? It's not the people who cut my social welfare so i can't get my meds and i don't mm-hmm. get my social worker visit which i didn't like anyway yeah. um but that's the same people who decide what's what's funny or not okay go ahead here's the other line nobody's civil anymore nobody thinks what it's like to be the other guy you think men like thomas wayne ever think what it's like to be someone like me to be somebody but themselves okay this is arthur as the victim Right. This is he. He gets trod upon. Everybody steps on him. Everybody kicks him when he's down. Everybody knocks him down before they kick him. Some notable exceptions. Whatever. Even his mother didn't love him and didn't treat him right. Yada yada yada. Except, at what point ever in this movie did we see Arthur think about what it's like to be the other guy? Right. In fact. We have pointedly seen him not do that, such as when his social worker tells him the program's been cut and she's out of a job. He doesn't give a shit about her losing her job. No. He doesn't give a shit about the other people who go to her for help. He is completely, throughout this movie, completely self-absorbed. The only things we ever see him do with other people make them laugh make them smile 
is to have attention reflected back on is to is to be seen he says i want to be seen that's all he cares about everything is about feeding him which now if you're not well this is this will happen right absolutely and this is a good point that the movie could stress to say this is why we can't sympathize with him right it could and it doesn't do that it It says it, it states that at face value, I, and like I think this, it's completely a, unaware of that. Yeah. It says, "Isn't this interesting that like you have this villain here that has this very sympathetic end where you can side with him that nobody cares about anybody anymore, and yet he does all these other things where you can't, and that's interesting." And it's like, well, when is he ever confront? When 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 does the movie point out that he isn't doing those things that we're supposed to sympathize with him on? He isn't. You know? He gave his mom a bath. <laughs> okay, there we I go. I think that's it. And then he murders her. <laughs> and then he smothers her with a pillow. Yeah. Right, Without even exactly. asking her, is it true, mom? Yeah. Is it true? And and when you when you line all these things now, you could I, I can hear Todd Phillips making an argument. If you line up all these things as facts, he's like, yeah, you could say, yeah, I know these things, and I put those there for a reason to say, look, there's this and there's this, and he doesn't do this and he doesn't do this. Then, then, and, and that's all in support of what you're saying, and you say I didn't do it. But when you watch the movie, the movie does not inspire that thought. It doesn't yeah. inspire the thought of, well, he's it not doing these things. You only it have doesn't to doesn't tell that story. It does not tell that story. Yeah. It doesn't take you on that emotional journey. It takes you on the boy. I am. It takes you on the journey of injustice. Against him. Yeah, that's it. And how he triumphs over that injustice. And how he triumphs over that injustice. And so in a way, there was right to have security at these movies. <laughs> or was it all in his mind? Or was it and all he's in his mind? A private joke he's refusing to tell his therapist in Arkham Asylum. <laughs> before he runs away with bloody footprints. Right. I mean, here's, here's the real depressing. I mean, I, I hope this is a standalone movie. Um, I hope they don't try to interject this into some franchise because this is not a Joker I would want to see battling any superhero. <laughs> Can you imagine there being a fight between a Batman and this Joker? No. he just whine at Batman all the time. <laughs> Yeah, maybe he and Zack Snyder Superman can get together and have a big whining party about how nobody likes them. They're probably going to blame everything you do on me. Why do I even bother? I got problems with that, if you haven't noticed. Yeah, I think you you nailed it right on the head. I I think we could... I'm just going to edit this down to that point, and then it's going to be a two-minute episode, and it'll be perfect. Oh, I'll throw the Ninja Turtle thing in, too. Ah, that was a good laugh. Okay. Oh, we should get back to Sophie. Sophie. Yeah, when the, when when it's revealed that it was an effectively scary scene when she he's in her apartment. That was yeah. effectively scary. And um but at the same and at the same time you're also like, well yeah, of course she wasn't real. It's no big bombshell. There's no way. Right. <laughs> that yeah. that character would have laughed at him in that and gone out with him on those dates and no yeah. wouldn't have happened. Yeah, yeah, right. Who did you think you were fooling? Um, yeah. But 
we don't see what happens to Sophie. No. He could leave her alone. He could kill her. He could rape her. We don't know. We don't know. Very rapey situation. All of his fantasies about her are very chaste. This very chaste kind of idealized romance. He gives her a big smooch after he like barges in her door or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. After the subway shooting. The um Which again, this is troubling. <laughs> but then he's got the notebook with the severed head flipped out headless naked lady bodies. And I'm like, what is Arthur's relationship to sex in this movie? Hmm. Does this conception of the character have any notion of that? Well, he obviously does by the kiss, I guess, but I mean, it wasn't. I mean, he wants he wants to have a relationship with someone. Right. He's picked Sophie mm-hmm. because she blew her head off. In that one. <laughs> but why do we keep seeing the pornography in his joke book? Yeah. Why did they put that in there? Why did right. they make that choice to include that? What are they trying to say? It just seems to be the facile thing of, of he's dangerous, he's messed up, instead of being like linking it to anything in particular. Like this is like a Travis Bickle thing. Like his Yeah. He's lonely, his rage over being his frustration over being lonely like gets channeled into violent rage. Mm-hmm. But that's like real like that's in the reading of the material of Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver. Yeah. Like that's that's a lot of what that movie's about. Yeah. Is this movie about that in any way whatsoever? It wants to be, but it doesn't it, know how. It, it thinks that's it thinks that should be in there and so it puts it in the notebook and then doesn't address it in any other way. Yeah. Except for he's lonely and he fantasizes of a relationship with Sophie. And then at the end Maybe he rapes and kill her, kills her, or maybe he leaves her alone like he does uh, the little person from work. We don't know. Yeah. Is it because, cause, is it because he fantasized that she was nice to him? He can't that break that feeling? He's going to yeah. let her live? Like we, Why doesn't the movie show us what happens to her? Because ultimately the movie doesn't care. It's about, they care it cares about Arthur, and it doesn't care. It, and it only cares about Sophie by way of him it being a fantasy for him. That's it. Apart from that, it does not care. It, I, it, think it, it's, it's I think it's I think it's too chicken shit to make a decision. I think you're exactly right. Because I, I, which leads me here's the thing. I was thinking, as you said that I was wondering, is there a scene that they maybe shot and cut because it went too far and they thought we can't have that that would lose too many people, as if it was wouldn't have lost them already. Could uh, be. But I think you're right. I think that would that would show some sort of spine. I think you're right. I think it's too chicken shit to make a decision on on what that would actually how that would actually end. Because who knows how things end with girls? <laughs> yeah, you know it's 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 too yeah it's too chicken shit to make a decision. You're right. Just like was him shooting three people on the subway good or was it bad? Well, it was kind of good. It was kind of bad. I mean, they were obviously assholes, so they... Shooting the first two was good, but shooting the last one was bad. <laughs> shooting the two in self-defense, good. Shooting the one screaming, no, no, don't do it, bad. But then he dances but, afterwards. But he dances afterwards, and, and yeah. 
I mean, contrast that, say, again, not a fair comparison, but contrast that again to the scene in Breaking Bad in the Home, uh, in the home Depot type store, which kind of does incredibly brilliantly what this movie, oh, I remember what I was going to say now, uh, could, oh, um, wants to do. Do you remember the scene I'm talking about? Uh, Walter, Walter White um, uh, has given up the game. And he's like going, okay, I'm not going to do any of that anymore. I'm just going to focus on actually creating a nice environment for my family. And he's, he's obsessed with home improvement, with uh, painting the house and building it up and all that stuff. And he's let it all go. And he goes to a home. This episode ends, and it's one of my favorite endings to one of any of these things. He goes to, a home, to, a, to buy Primer. Kills, of course. The brand, the brand kills, which is the real brand, and he's out there buying it's primer. Good, good. Uh, yeah. mildew resistant. Yeah, it's on my walls of my room I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. And so he, I endorse it. He endorse kills, kills you can get behind, right? <laughs> Unlike Joker, and so he, uh, and righteous he, kills. He sees, <laughs> he sees um, a, an obvious tweaker buying. A clumsily buying items to make meth. Oh yes, I remember. And he this can't now. let it go. He he goes. He drops the kills and goes over there and tells him, "Look, don't you can't do. Don't buy everything in one place. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to." Freaks the kid out and he leaves. Right. And so he he goes back. He he gets back. He didn't drop the kills yet. He walk gets back in line, and then he's sitting there and he makes a decision and he drops the bucket and he walks out in the parking lot and he sees the tweaker talking to his boss. And he's saying, that guy over there, that guy over there. And he walks right up to that guy and says, get out of my territory. (laughs) (laughs) And you realize he's not letting this go. Right. He can't let this go. He feels he that's the moment where he, he transformed into Heisenberg before. But this is the moment when he fully accepts that he is this now. It's like the retired and, boxer is saying, like, these are the guys that they're putting up there now. I could whip these guys. Yeah. You know, I got to <laughs> exactly. get back in that ring. Got to get back in that ring. And so. I got to show them how it's done. And so this movie wants to. It seems to want to have that kind of moment when it doesn't, shouldn't have it and doesn't warrant it. And so the that is a moment where I can, I can acknowledge Walter White's victory in himself. That he's and cha- the tragedy. And the tragedy of it. Yeah. That he's putting his he's almost made a good decision for his family and he just he couldn't he, he couldn't, couldn't resist the temptation. Do it. And I find that pleasurable. This movie yeah. I can't find pleasurable. And um I mean unbreakable. Is a is a one of my favorite movies, and that whole movie has me siding with Sam Jackson the whole movie, and then I turn on him in the end. But it all makes sense, and it, 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 when you kind of get this realization that you've been duped along with with uh, with uh, uh, David Dunn, and you're heartbroken, but yet you you realize that his coming into his own is such a huge tragedy. This movie can't. You know what I would like to see? I would love to see a Joker movie, a Joker origin story movie like this, but not done like a taxi driver wannabe, but more like a Citizen Ruth. 
I never seen Resistant Ruth. Still need to see that. Yeah, it's 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 good and a touchy movie, but but basically the the inherent joke about in fact I'm thinking about it. Citizen Ruth and Joker have a lot of similarities, except that Citizen Ruth is good. I mean, <laughs> I mean Citizen, Citizen Ruth does knows what it's doing, has a command over what it's doing, and does yeah. it well. And what it does is it's everyone trying to to make its make an issue and a movement around someone who's just trying to get high. That's she doesn't give a crap about anything to the point where she doesn't even recognize it happening. She's just mm. she's just this is all I do and it's all I unabashedly want to do and everyone hangs their thing on it and she is a force of nature, a force of self-destructive nature, but she's singular to herself and she's not trying to take anything else down. She's just trying to get high and then everything is, everything else falls apart around her because they are trying to depend on her. Mm-hmm. And, I would like to see a Joker movie where maybe maybe it's a little more destructive than than say what's what Ruth is doing in that movie, but I'd love to see a Joker movie like that because that's that what shows I've... the distance between what Joker thinks he's doing and what he's actually doing. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this movie has no sense of that distance. So. If if we could go back in time and 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 say, oh, if Warner Brothers could say, okay, Todd Phillips wants to do a Joker movie, let's give it to Alexander Payne. <laughs> Have him do it and see what how it turns out. That would be phenomenal, I think. Or um, Paul Thomas Anderson. Or Paul Thomas. That would be. <laughs> wow. You know, that's like his. That's like his whole thing. That is the distance. I, I think it was um, John C. Riley who I read summed up Paul Thomas Anderson movies. His movies are about the distance between who people are and who people think they are. That's amazing. You know, and like, yeah. yeah, that's that's what that's what we needed here. Yeah, really did. Uh, did. Did you did you see Old School? No. Okay. Well, I guess there's no point in talking about it then. <laughs> All right. I, the, the, the only the only thing I would like to say to our listening audience is I get the feeling that here's what I got from old school. Will Ferrell's character in it became like a it's one of the movie, it's one of the things that rocketed him to stardom. Right. Other than Saturday Night Live, obviously. But Will Ferrell's character in that is an inherently tragic figure. He is a tragic character in that movie. And it's effective in how tr- in, in in his his metamorphosis in that movie from person trying to hold it together but just doesn't have the spirit to it to an out and out self destructive monster in the end is a tr- is is a, is quite an a, amazing journey. Will Ferrell does it great. The movie I couldn't tell if the movie recognized it as such or just thought it was rad. <laughs> However, looking at it now and certainly looking at Joker, I think he did see it as a tragic fall, but he wasn't deft enough in his presentation of it to convey that to the audience. And all the audience just thought it was rad and funny when it's like the, the joke of that movie is that is how fucking depressing it is that he's come into his own. 
as Frank the Tank. And um, I, I, the, the end of it was, was you know, it, it, it kind of pulls out, in a, it, the way they handle the ending, it, it really is uh, 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 maybe skillfully disjointed in how it's presenting it like both a hilarious, like, yeah, he's a frat guy for life now who's, who's he's a 45-year-old, a 40-year-old frat guy who's berating the, the new people rushing and going like, this is fucking tragic. But, and they do it, it, it could be both. And I think it, I think that's what it was trying to do. But yeah, I don't think it came across that way. So I think Joker has not showed an evolution from that skill level. <laughs> it's only showed a, a change in a more acceptably mature patina. <laughs> that's... Again, I raise my pinky and don my beret. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that vein, um, maybe I'll try to close this out with a couple of quotes from Ebert. Um, his, his contemporaneous reviews of Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. Contemporaneous? The As they came out? Yeah, the ones he wrote the years of their, their release. Um, I show my ignorance in what contemporaneous means. <laughs> I was like, contemporary? That means now. He's, he didn't write now. What? <laughs> um, it's like contemporary. I, I, take, I take off my beret and lower my finger. <laughs> <laughs> in shame. Pizza. Okay. <laughs> so these were the... the the most obvious reference points for Todd Phillips. So let's go back and see what was said about these movies at the time. And maybe this will give us a hint about what makes them different than mm -hmm. Joker. Right. Okay. Uh, Ebert wrote of taxi driver. The movie rarely strays very far from the personal, highly subjective way in which Travis Bickle sees the city unless it wound him. Okay. Well, that sounds mm -hmm. rather like, rather like, that's uh, right taxi driver okay um but then he gets into the shot of him and the payphone and how it looks away and how that's when that's how you get the distance between your the audience and uh, right. it wasn't summarized well in a quote so i couldn't quote that right. sorry i forgot that before i started reading that this <laughs> quote doesn't go where it needs to go to right. make his point so you can cut that okay no 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 I'm going to read this quote from uh, Ebert's review from King of Comedy, 1981. Uh, sorry, 1983. Martin Scorsese's The King of Comedy is one of the most arid, painful, wounded movies I've ever seen. An agonizing portrait of lonely, angry people with their emotions all tightly bottled up. This is a movie that seems ready to explode, but somehow it never does. Hmm. There's a difference in the arid part, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, the whole movie, referring to King of Comedy, is about the inability of the characters to get any kind of positive response to their bids for recognition. Mm -hmm. Point of mm -hmm. comparison. Yeah. It represents an enormous departure for Scorsese, whose other movies teemed with life until he filmed this emotional desert and whose camera used to prowl restlessly until he nailed it down this time. So Scorsese, the master, knew 
that getting up in people's faces, his active camera made a more thrilling, visceral, put you there experience. But for King of Comedy, he had to do a different tack for an important reason. Right. That is, he locks his camera down, he makes it more arid, he makes it more that you you do not want to be thrilled by what you're seeing with Rupert Pupkin because this should not be a seduction for you. Yes. And, and yeah, yes. And Todd Phillips did not, did not, uh, did not get that. No, not at all. I remember seeing Kim of Comedy for the first time and being actually kind of confused on how I thought it was supposed to be taken. And then I saw it when I was older, when I was in college, and I was like, oh, I get this movie now. Like it, it, I, I under, it took age for me to really understand that movie. Uh, the way I thought that it was, the way it was presented. Uh, Because, I mean, as a kid, you're like, Jerry Lewis, you know, and comedy and the title, and you're like, what is this? Uh, But um, it's interesting because you you hit on exactly what I was going to bring up too, is that in Scorsese, Scorsese had a a book called Scorsese on Scorsese a long time ago, around a little after the time of um, Last Temptation of Christ. And in it... um, he said that he was told by a, a mentor of his um, after seeing King of Comedy that he said, this is your most mature film. And he said, oh, I took that as a compliment. It's my most mature. And he goes, but then I realized he's a cinematographer and there's a term for camera being, when a camera doesn't move around a lot, they call it a mature camera. <laughs> so I think they just meant I didn't move my camera. <laughs> I didn't know that term. <laughs> yeah. So when you just, so when Ebert picked up on the same thing, but you know, that quote kind of shows a kind of bewilderment of, of, of Scorsese, I think for entertainment value in the story, but you're right. He, someone who, who, who moves his camera, he moves his camera for a reason. Came comedy. He knew that was not what you needed to do. Yeah. Todd Phillips, he's he has you dancing right on those stairs with the Joker. Right to Gary Glitter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the like the most vapid of all rock tunes, a seductive tune. Right, they play it in stadiums for a reason. Right, but and like, it had it's designed to be, to be yeah. empty-headed. Yeah, and yet uh-huh. that irony seems to have been lost on the auteur. But it had to have been chosen for that reason, right? There's no other reason why it couldn't have been chosen for it's for that reason, right? Because it sounds awesome. I mean, it does sound awesome. But it's such it's such a tonal. It's such at odds tonally with the rest of the movie, right? That's that's just his moment. Like he's gear, he's he's pumping himself up the way. Right. The way you use that to pump up a, a, a football crowd. <laughs> I guess you know? so. I but I couldn't but, help but wonder if it was chosen because it's um, the creator of that music is in jail for pedophilia. <laughs> you know, I mean, if pedophilia uh, was in any way or like, I don't know. It's like was Maybe. it chosen for did that reason, that? or did how just, much did he think through his choices in this movie? Like we've. Right, I, I think we've run through a litany where it's kind of <laughs> baffling to figure that out. Yeah, because I think yeah. he, I think he was 
making he was really thinking hard and making choices but then they all came across like he wasn't thinking is I mean, that the possible choice could have been a good choice it could have been a good smart choice but what he does with the camera and the cutting in that scene yeah the irony is lost i can't figure out why that's such an iconic scene for everyone it's because it's like i said before it's, it's there's why, not much people to watch it. the dark knight it's like i would fucking do that I would fucking do that stuff the Joker does. Uh, Push me hard enough, I'd do that. There I was think a, that's the thrill people are getting from this movie. Yeah, and that's the wrong thrill. There's a hilarious Onion article that came out not long after the Joker came out that said a movie siding bus tour takes route down iconic Joker stairs. <laughs> it just shows the bus careening <laughs> down those stairs and crashing. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, that's what this fucking movie feels like. <sighs> All right. Okay. I didn't talk about Joaquin with his shirt off. Well, I'll save that for the best doctor category of our Oscars so episode. If you, which you may have already heard. Which you may have already heard. And you may already have uh, questions about why did it win Best Picture? <laughs> or something. <laughs> and 10 other Oscars. And 10 other Oscars. Oof. All right. Well, despite the nature of this movie, I I really I enjoyed this conversation a great deal. Oh yes, no, this was a good one. It. Um, uh, I will say this: it was successful in the sense that it was freighted with meaning, and begs you to unpack it. Yes. It's, with, it's a it's a dense movie filled with a lot of stuff. It certainly is not a shrug of a movie. That's for sure. It wasn't boring. I was not bored. No. Uh, uh, a bit. Absolutely not. And no. it's it it has it sparks a lot of discussion, not just in us, but apparently, but all over. So that's nothing if not good. So, I mean, that's good yeah. if if not anything else. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Uh, in the right mood, I would. But if I want to feel like if I had a terrible day and I want to feel terrible. <laughs> uh, which I had those days where like I just want to wallow in misery for two hours mm -hmm. that's not the my real misery <laughs> and I want to like uh, uh, get the thrill of seeing like a really um, uh, engaging performance uh, engaging yeah. that's the right word but like a athletic <laughs> yeah um theatrically athletic performance then you know i can yes. see myself putting this movie on again Absolutely. i won't i doubt i will but I, I wouldn't rule it out right i mean it is a real mildew bath of a movie for sure <laughs> it's a real uh belichick bath of a movie. <laughs> it's a belichick bath of a movie totally but hey jeff goldblum's great in that and so is um what's her name from alien oh, i can't uh, remember her name can't remember her name Veronica. Veronica like is a, it's not Veronica Cartwright. That's the voice of Bart Simpson. Oh, okay. It's Veronica something or other. Oh well. So, thanks for listening. We we uh, you watched it wrong on all the things that I never can remember what they are. Yeah, well, they're Facebook, Twitter, and email. Email us at you watched it wrong at happypanic.net. Especially that the one other people see. That's the one I would be excited to get though. Mm -hmm. Because you probably took your time and thought about what you were going to say. Especially if you're Todd Phillips. Please give us a call. <laughs> Drop us a line. You know what? I honestly, Tell us why John Wick 3 should be 
uh, lambasted and not yours. I would love to have that conversation. Yeah, I, I, of course. I want to hear what he has to say. Of course, I could go read and listen to his Fresh Air interview and all that, which I haven't done because I didn't want to color my perceptions. <laughs> I this is this is called you watched it wrong. Not Todd Phillips told me how I should have watched it. <laughs> well, his movie was kind of trying to do that, right? That's what the, well, the movie should have done it, right? right. If I if I need the author's notes, then. <laughs> Something's wrong. That's wrong. All right. Thank you for finally putting together the right words that I couldn't find for this movie. I really, it was bothering me quite uh, quite a bit. Yeah, I was ranting about this movie <laughs> two days afterwards, and it's made a billion dollars. And it's yeah. it's it's so ugly to watch and yet it's being repeatedly watched over and over and over again because of a triumphant rise and it's just, I did uh, I did make the mistake of looking at some YouTube comments oh I can't do some that. clips from the movie and just like yeah people are like jizzing all over what a masterpiece what a powerful piece of cinema it is well they were doing they had decided that before it came out the very fact that there was going to be a movie just about this guy that was taken seriously, yeah. they were already doing that. Yeah, it's all about it's all about a movie about feeling aggrieved. Yeah. Um, and and you know what? Again, there's aggrievement to be had to be felt for certain, but I mean in the world in general, but this is not a healthy Something about it catches the zeitgeist. Um, I mean, you know, people said well, Pulp Hitler Fiction caught the zeitgeist, healthy, right? <laughs> Pulp Fiction yeah. caught the zeitgeist. You can't say any. You can't say that's a healthy movie. Yeah, but you could argue that it doesn't depict the difference either. Like the Jules Winfield character. Like, at what point is he not noble in right. Pulp Fiction? Right. Mm-hmm. You're even meant to admire the way he executes these dumbasses, <laughs> right. right? Yeah, exactly. Um, the, then is it just a matter of taste at that point? Is it? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, know. I mean, the acknowledgement that we're enjoying something we shouldn't versus the acknowledgement of we are we are living a vicarious victory through someone who shares our experience. I think if you had just done the Joker movie he did, but take out the movement part of it. You know, this is I meant to say this and I didn't I didn't it didn't connect to anything. Is if you take out the movement part of it, like if you don't have to set up if this isn't an origin story where you have to set up here's how we get the Joker, here's how he gets his henchmen. Right. How does yeah. Joker get an army of henchmen? You know? Right. If you don't need to answer that question just cut out the whole thing that people are rooting for him. Cut out the class warfare stuff writ large, you know. Make the garbage piling on the street just to be about like all the shit that he lives amongst, right? Mm -hmm. But not about there being riots in the streets because there's a whole movement happening. Mm -hmm. And not being about the structure. Make it about Thomas Wayne. And Thomas Wayne fucked him and, uh, you know... Ruined his right. life, ruined his mother's life, 
Um, mm. You can leave all that abuse stuff in there, and then you can just make it like a pulpy genre picture. You could, and then it's more like Jules Winfield. Like Jules Winfield, is, you're not trying to connect Jules Winfield to some larger phenomenon right. to say, you know, man, Los Angeles is messed up. And, <laughs> you know. See, this guy kills um, a guy for a briefcase. See how bad Los Angeles is? Right. Yeah. Like, it's not trying to say that. Right. It's just saying, like, here's a badass dude. Watch him for a while. Right? Right. And this could have been that story. Like, look at the fucked up crazy guy uh, who thinks he's a comedian and gets mad when people don't laugh at him. And so he kills them. But his whole... And that could have been awesome. That could have been an awesome Joker movie. Yeah, but his, Todd Phillips' whole point was to, he kept saying, I'm trying to get a real movie in, made within a superhero movie. Because you can only get superhero movies made, so I'm going to try to get a real movie in there. And you're like, what's not a real... What's a real movie? Just make... Yeah, just do a different kind of superhero movie that you haven't seen before. That's fine. Right. But what's the, re, what's the realness of this movie? Like, right, that's exactly. That's where it, that's so that that makes me to denote that that his whole class warfare thing is actually what he's trying to get across. So he wouldn't be interested in doing your ver that version of this movie, just making a genre movie, because then he's just making a he's just making a superhero movie, you know, or a supervillain movie. Yeah, he's not okay. doing a real important movie. You know what? We can cut that out of this episode because I think when we do best category, we can we can. Say that in capsule form. Mm. That's it. That's know, a failure pretty... of this movie. That's why it's ranked at the bottom of the list. Right, exactly. <laughs> or maybe above 1917. I don't have to say that. <laughs> but I thought of Pain and Glory during Joker because I remember one day I was going to go see Joker. And I opted not. I, I was going to I was going to go. How am I going to go see Joker? And then for some reason, whatever happened, I decided to go see Pain and Glory instead. I wasn't planning on it. I just go, you know what? You. I don't feel like Joker. Yeah. And I went. You want to put yourself through that? I didn't want to put myself through it. And I you went, wanted the glory, but not the pain. And I thought, you know what? I've heard that's good. I've never seen that. I don't think I've ever seen an Almavar movie. Why don't I go? And I went, and it turned out to be exactly what I needed that day. Well. And I was like, that was a cosmic choice to be like, don't go see Joker. You'll only make yourself worse. Go see Pain and Glory, and I was like, I, and I did, and I was like, it was it was exactly what I needed. And I sometimes uh, you know more than you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what's funny is what we were complaining about is that Joker is a mix of Pain and Glory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exactly right. And it's painful when they do the glory part. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, thanks again. Tune in. Um, well, tune in for whatever our next episode is. I know the previous one was Oscar, but we'll have something fun for you coming up. And if you thought Taxi Driver was the triumphant tale of Travis Bickle finding himself, you watched it wrong. And if you regurgitate the taxi driver and came comedy without any of its good points, you're Todd Phillips. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs>